Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Friday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 is the number to text or call in this afternoon, right here in the Kiva, as always, having a fabulous week, wrapping it up with you, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, don't forget, you can also catch us directly on our podcast, and for the time being, we are actively bringing you into our rockoftalk.chat platform to get you caught up on all the latest musings, goings on, and all the rest of that stuff. Uh, here I am with my good friend, D-Dowd Muska, right here in the Kiva, our number one for a little bit of Friday fun with uh, D-Dowd. D-Dowd, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Is it me, Eddie, or as you get older, do these weeks seem to just fly by? Uh, you wake up Monday morning and you turn around and it's Friday afternoon. <laughs> it is Friday Right, like you just want to sing it. It's so good. Lots to get to here on this uh, Friday wrap-up show here of the week, uh, grabbing all the stories that uh, we failed to get to, but uh, are going to make sure that you hear about our three wide open number of different stories uh, that we just wanted to go ahead and uh, pick off uh, from the pile of what's left over for the week, including really psychological cruelty of denying uh, natural immunity that we have to continue to talk about here. It's our narrative, uh, ladies and gentlemen, against their narrative right now. And uh, we need you to understand that and where we're going and what what's happening, why you are on the right side of that conversation. CDC director saying, study of vaccinated people showing 75% of COVID deaths had four more comorbidities. That study finally ends. So hour three there. Uh, hour two, entertainment and politics, including Denzel and Alec Baldwin getting sued by somebody unrelated to the person that he murdered. So that'll be uh, very interesting. And uh, also we'll visit with the Islamic Center and uh, see the latest goings on with that. Uh, pay bump for New Mexico officials. The economy, yes, everybody doing better, but New Mexico. But uh, hey, there's those sunshine news reports that come from the state of New Mexico that tell you that everything is better here where we have the red and green as always. They've got to sell you on uh, why things are here and uh, why doing laundry may be more expensive and why that matters to you. Uh, and also we'll cover uh, the Omicron hysteria schools and why UNM sucks. It absolutely <laughs> sucks top to bottom. But uh, one of the things that we fail to uh, touch upon, and just because I can't pay attention to them, it really, it, it is my fault, folks. I uh, am not the biggest uh, Joe Biden fan and neither are you, which is why you listen to this uh, radio station. But I do know that we do have to get to some important uh, conversation about what Joe Biden said, blabbering, yammering, whatever you want to call it, uh, about for, what, two hours, Dowd, uh, he was on. Just, uh, you know, hitting. He stayed awake for two hours. I can't believe it. Uh, right before his uh, porridge and uh, his Metamucil to kind of get him uh, through the night. Um, you know, always a kind of a crazy uh, little Joe. Uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. So let's let's review uh, things about Bozo Biden. I think that's the most, he is a clown. He's a clown for the people that handle him. He's a clown for us to talk about him. Uh, you know, things are going seemingly well uh, overall, uh, you would think, given the amount of money that's interjected into the economy. Um, but he is mishandling the economy because of inflation. So, you know, the stock market at all time high. Why? Because that's where all that capital is flying to. Uh, COVID, uh, or excuse me, COVID and Omicron, uh, he doesn't need to handle any of that, but he is uh, really trying to control more and more because they're losing control of their narrative. You, of course, know about the Afghanistan, Afghanistan stuff uh, happening uh, out in uh, September 
uh, where now the Taliban is fully in control of all of our technology, tanks, uh, night vision, guns. Uh, they're running. It's like uh, we set them up for warlordship for the next uh, eon, century, what have you. So uh, the Taliban owned that. We won't be going back there anytime soon. But Joe got distracted, folks. And you know when someone gets distracted, Dowd, you know that someone's in trouble. What? Sort of like someone's coming to tell you a story, and then all of a sudden you came to talk to them about the one thing, and then they're sitting there telling you this sob story about all the crap that they're going through, and you wouldn't understand. I appreciate your patience with me. And you know that they have the time. You know that they should have focused on it, but, uh, you know, they're focused on something else. His news conference got uh, sidetracked, derailed, okay, uh, by two things. Yep, Joe loves the Ukraine. That's his place. He loves talking about Russia and Ukraine. Uh, when all else fails, let's go to what he and, he and uh, Hunter Biden know. Let's talk about the Ukraine. And then the second thing is what you're going to hear about is he is going to call the entire 2022 midterm elections. He's already waving the white flag. If his legislation doesn't get passed nationally, irrelevant, illegitimate is actually the word that he used. So let's just kind of go through things, uh, chapter and verse uh, for uh, young Joe Biden there. What is he, 80? He's about to be 80 this year, I think. He said he would likely have to break up his stalled health care, admit defeat, education, admit defeat, and climate agenda, admitting defeat, to get his policies through Congress. Wait, doesn't he have the majority in Congress? Doesn't he have 50-50 in the Senate? And don't they have the presidency? Yeah, it's because people are defecting from the Democrat Party, both in terms of registration and in addition to that, obviously people who are in his party that are elected representatives. And then he goes off on this tangent. Oh, Russia's going to invade Ukraine. All right. And then he issues like some sort of weird threat. Putin better not mess with Biden. Oh, yeah. Putin's laughing at Biden. He had no problem. Two-hour news conference, ladies and gentlemen. A total waste of everyone's time. And then he goes on to talk about this. May, uh, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going through so much. Defending his policies. Talking about his first year in office. And then acknowledging, yeah, I know you guys are frustrated, but this is what I was left by Trump. This is all Trump. Of course. That's the way it goes, Dowd. You know, you got you to gotta blame somebody. Okay. He says it's been a year of challenges, but also a year of progress. <laughs> What progress are numbers. <laughs> you inherited, uh, you inherited uh, in spite of your own party's uh, admission to go ahead and push down, lock down, do everything that possibly can. He says, still for all the progress, I know there's a lot of frustration, fatigue in the country because of COVID-19. All right, there's a scapegoat. Now, Joe Manchin has defected. He's not going to help him out with his $2 trillion uh, build back better. Biden said that proposed to expand the child tax credit. Here's another defeat. And tuition assistance, another defeat. I mean, a laundry list of how he has failed. And also for community colleges, other colleges aren't going to be par part of that package. And he's going to try unilaterally do each one. Nothing is going to... See, that's not the way you start. You don't turn it into an entire package and try it. That, that's hubris. They thought the whole thing was going to pass. Now they're going to try and go back, break it apart, and do it individually. Ten times as much work, right? Not going to happen. Then, after admitting all his defeats, he goes to challenge the most powerful man in the world, Vladimir Putin, not only the richest, but the most powerful. And he says, well, Putin, 
You're going to be facing some tough choices. You're going to regret going into this conflict. And then he said that Putin's going to invade Ukraine to try and change it so we get everybody thinking that Russia's going to invade the Ukraine. My guess is he'll move in. I think he'll pay more serious dear price for Oh, yeah, like what? You think Putin's afraid of the United States right now? Is China afraid of the United States? Then he backpedals a little and he says, ah, I don't think he's really made up his mind yet. Then he tries to talk about diplomacy. Wait, this man is confused right there up on stage. He goes from losing everything to challenging Putin to say, though, he didn't make up his mind yet. And then, oh, we might get through diplomacy because my good friends in NATO might have a good chance to get in or uh, the Ukraine might have a good chance to get into NATO. Biden also said the response to Russia might differ if the country launched a only minor incursion. We might not go too, too hard at them. You know what Putin's saying right now? I see what they did in Afghanistan. We're not worried, right? That, that's what's going on. He's like, ah, these guys are a bunch of wusses. I mean, this is a man who rides bareback on a horse in the open uh, deserts of Siberia. Do you think <laughs> he's... Man. You think he's, they've got so much dirt on Hunter, they don't care, okay? Now, in a sobering and maybe his most realistic statement that pretends the future, he says, mm, right now, let's not call this the new normal. Let's just call this a job not yet finished. I call it a job not yet started, Joe Biden. He said the U.S. wouldn't go back to lockdowns and closed schools. Yeah, because they fail. In fact, let me just tell you how bad it is. It's really bad in terms of these approval ratings for Joe Biden. 33% approval rating. Lower than Carter. The lowest since Harry Truman. His biggest challenge is the economy. With a stock market that's already leveraged to the hilt. These elevated prices, the bottlenecks for shipping... Remember, his Democratic base is all about climate change. That's not getting pushed out. Voting change, same thing. Election bills. He said that if this legislation doesn't pass, the midterms are illegitimate. I'm going to be deeply involved in the off-year elections, he says. I'm going to be raising money, and I plan on running with Kamala Harris when I'm 82. Imagine that. The hubris is nonstop. He might just be reading, honestly, at this point. Now, a lot of people were criticizing him. And not a whole lot of people watched, by the way, because this, this presser, guess what was on? The lowest cable news network on DirecTV or anywhere for that matter. CNN, that's right. The list of any accomplishments, not impressive. Joe Biden's now claiming that he's working harder than ever. He's involved in every situation. He's fully briefed. He's on top of things. Why would someone need to say that? Because they haven't been working. When has he been working? He really is the truly the Manchurian president in every way, shape, and form. What he would do better is if he actually got out in front of people and interfaced with them. He actually talked about the actual issues, but he's avoided that. Why? Because COVID. Masked. He has news conferences. He's out of touch. He's out of touch. Versus Donald Trump out in front of you taking questions, slugging back, swinging, oh, just interacting fighting with all of the uh, press people, right? The press corps, he was fighting with every single day. People enjoyed that. 
He was real. It was fleshy. We thought we were getting somewhere. And he was doing 100 times better than Joe Biden was. Biden's approval at 33%. 53% disapproval. A majority of Americans saying that this past year was a bad year for their families. And they're not hopeful for the country. 28% of Americans feel we're on the right track. That's telling you 72% of this country says we're going in the wrong direction. You think they're going to vote for anybody else? I think they will. And here's the worst part about it is when Biden gets angry, he leverages as any tyrant. We experienced that here in the state of New Mexico will do. He's going after families and parents because two of the biggest things that he has been pushing, right? CRT, right? And then of course, all the stuff with the COVID mandates, et cetera. This is a new report that just came out. Glenn Beck covered this. Okay but he's relating any single parent that's out there that is challenging any school board and the National School Board Association, uh, et cetera. They're using the FBI to go, to go after parents because that battle is now taking place in the educational institution. It's a battle for the minds, ladies and gentlemen. Parents defending education got a FOIA. They raised concerns that the administration had predetermined to go to war against parents protesting school lockdowns about critical race theory in classrooms, and, of course, COVID restrictions. Nobody has covered this, not anybody. But this is what they're going to start doing with parents, people who really care, people who have a future. The board member went to the FBI. The FBI then said to the White House, well, the AG can now go ahead and uh, consider anybody who is pushing back against the school board a domestic terrorist. Here's worse. Back in October, Merrick Garland issued a memo dispatching the FBI to meet a supposed, quote-unquote, disturbing spike of harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, and other personnel. That's where the FBI's focused. They're not turning in Hunter Biden laptops. What are they doing? They're turning parents, concerned parents, into domestic terrorists. Thank God that FOIA went out. Thank God they're exposing these people. Because when Joe Biden gets angry... He rebuts hard, and he leverages the resources of the federal government to demonize each and every person who's standing up for themselves, this country, and for the right thing. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. This pattern of behavior is all about uh, what we see out of the Biden administration, Dowd. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I don't think we've really discussed enough what a nasty little piece of work uh, Uncle Joe is. You know, he ha- he's tried to build this reputation as Mr. Middle Class, Mr. Moderate. Uh, you know, I'm working class, blue collar guy from the mid-Atlantic. I- I'm just like you. He is a nasty little piece of work. And another angle here that I don't think is ever really explored is Joe Biden is a, is a professional legislator. Uh, I- I'm no fan of people in government, period. But at least people in the executive branch, they have to manage sometimes quite complex bureaucracies, or if you're a governor or the president, you have to manage many, many bureaucracies. A legislator is basically a professional blowhard. They are surrounded all day long by sycophants. Uh, They have tremendous power of the purse because that's where the the power of the purse originates in the legislative branch. They can appropriate big chunks of money. Uh, Joe, of course, has headed the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, which leads to federal appointments to the bench. So Joe is used to being kind of a king in his own little world, but that little world is Capitol Hill. 
not the global stage, not the national stage, not having to manage a complex enterprise like the, the, the executive branch of the federal government. So it doesn't really surprise me at all that he's this petty and this nasty. It it, uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Yeah, I, I don't think so uh, either. But uh, we are surprised that uh, he has no more political capital left. He can't push the economy, can't push any policies, can't push anything. Maybe he's just monkeying around. Yep, back here on this day, way back in 1965, ladies and gentlemen, it was, yep, or 67, the uh, Monkees show was shown for the very first time, and uh, we'll go hey, out. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Hey, hey, that's exactly right. Back after a quick break, right here in the Kiva. Thanks for listening. Oh, tell mystery, yet the funniest works everyone we meet. Hey, hey, with the Monkees. People say we're monkeying around But we're too busy singing To put anybody down We go where we want to Do what we like to do We don't have time to get restless There's always something new All right, great music there from Eric Clapton, Layla. Well, uh, him and George Harrison uh, sort of got into it in an indirect way. Uh, kind of interesting. Back on this day, uh, back in uh, 1966, uh, George Harrison actually married Patty Boyd. Okay. And uh, Paul McCartney was his best man. George met Patty on the set of the Beatles movie, Hard Day's Night. The same woman that Harrison married well left him for yeah layla who's layla well there there you go that is the patty boyd who married harrison and also eric clapton he wrote the song layla uh directly about her the two married in may of 1979 but uh eric clapton uh split with her back in 1988 a little bit of information there for you didn't know that harrison and uh, clapton were married to the same person, D. Dowd Muska, they were uh, sharing, and that's who Layla is about. So Layla is Patty Boyd, uh, whatever Layla is. A lot of free loving back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't around for all that. <laughs> 550, 50, 500, we covered Biden. Let's get to talking about why UNM sucks. And this is good. This is easy. It sucks for them. I graduated from there. You no longer get a conquistador, uh, Dowd, coming out of there. So, you know, they want to get everybody warm and fuzzy and initiation and back to school. And, oh, we want to make sure that there's a good camp, right? Campus life. Campus life. So they have two campus life days. They did one, I believe, on Wednesday, and they're going to do another one the next Wednesday. Okay. So they're called welcome back days. Yep. Trust me, Cotter ain't coming back. They were from 12 to 1.30 at the sub where I used to hang out a lot. It'll be an opportunity, Dowd, for students to learn about Greek and life student organization opportunity. What? How are you going to be guzzling beer with a mask over your face? It's tough, I imagine. Uh, where's the foul called? Right? You getting involved in campus. You can improve your leadership skills, resumes, foster a great college experience. Next week, we're going to focus on student organizations. There's 325 organizations. You have a depleting population over at the University of New Mexico. People are going different places. They're going to Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Nevada, California. They don't want to be here. They really don't. This is the most restrictive campus 
maybe in the entire country, because remember, you also have at one of the very few places at the University of Mexico, you also have, in addition to all the COVID restrictions, you have free speech zones. I can't make this stuff up. Yes, you might remember those from a couple of years back. Now, now here's one of the organizations that you can join UNM students. It's the Lobo Prevention Pack. The you goon can, squad. You can get... Yeah. <laughs> The, the little the little armies out there. What do they do? Students lead efforts to ensure campus community is not only safe, but accurately informed about the raging pandemic around them. Rage. There will be blood. From spreading accurate information about COVID when the pandemic started to... They're giving themselves so much credit. It's educating others about vaccinations when those became available. This team has been adapting to new trends and the you mean uh new propaganda yes you've been doing a great job of doing it the misinformation all coming from this little group they're the do-gooders the lower prevention pack yeah they want to make sure the students are taken care of now you get student ambassadors who are going to be working for class credit and they're like public health officials like they're on the campus like uh like they're like your local burks and fauci and then there's the influencers those are the other people and like they're on like social media and they're also like coordinating like all the events. You know what they're telling people on the campus that these people somehow have, you know, the Holy grail. They've got all the info. Go to them. If you really want the real info, you mean the propaganda, uh, this, this is how stupid happens folks. Okay. They're, they're literally celebrating the fact that a university of New Mexico student, their ambassador, Met with the Surgeon General to talk about COVID-19, and we even won the Outstanding PAC Award with the SHAC promotion last June. We're doing so good. Yet people just keep on leaving. Here's the big thing that they're pushing out, and this is hilarious, right? This is the funniest part of the whole thing. Medical-grade masks, which are now required. Yep. Seeing people wearing masks or getting vaccinated, encourage others to do the same. Follower... Look at you. I'm setting the trend. I've got the new mask, right? There are many new misinformation uh, pieces out there, like from Eddie Aragon and Dowd Musco over at the Rock yep. of Talk. Uh, don't let them come over here. But we're putting out, the prevention pack is putting out accurate information. We want to make sure that we protect people from getting and being careful against the counterfeit masks. They're circulating everywhere, folks. Have you seen a counterfeit mask? You need to tell someone, notify an ambassador or an influencer immediately. A Lobo Prevention Pack organized safe social outings last year because we want to make sure that when you're at the University of New Mexico, that this is, to be the, this is going to be the best time of your life. And you know what, folks? We're all in this together. That's why we have our two big promotions, like on uh, the campus, uh, Vax the Pack and Protect the Pack, because... We are in this together. We're here to combat this pandemic together. And if we don't do it, like Michelle Lujan Grisham said, we're going to continue this cycle of uncertainty. And that's on you. Like, can't you just hear like the little cheerleaders and all this kind of stuff? So, uh, okay. So they have this, <clears throat> now we're at this point where they're not just mandating the mask, they're mandating the type of mask that you have. They've, they've taken the foot that was just on your leg and now they've placed it on your neck. You're a University of New Mexico student. And you know what's really interesting is the number of people who have been boosted isn't that high. Barely more than 50% of the staffers. Oh, 
unacceptable. Yeah, 28%, 28.6% of the student population has boosters. Oh, you get 72%. So UNM required a three-ply, whatever the hell that is. I have a different word I wanted to use. Requiring a three-ply or better medical grade. Like, you can't even focus on education at this point. No more cloth masks. Nothing like that whatsoever. Student affairs will be distributing proper masks across campus for students who are struggling. They're struggling to source proper masks. We want to make sure you have the appropriate mask. We know it's a struggle for you to get the mask. We want to make sure that you have the appropriate mask. Just to get through the day, it's a struggle Just, for it's our, a struggle. children. I need that mask. I can't walk into my class. What's going to happen when you don't have the right mask to take your test that one day? Do you have an out? You don't How have can the right I get mask. Blackout you can't drunk take the- if I don't have my mask. <laughs> so these ambassadors are they're they're venturing off and they're handing out masks to everybody, and you can find them in the dean's office. We also have new mask protocols. If you do not adhere to the updated mask protocols, may result in being asked to leave with the possibility of being dropped from the class. As disciplinary action, if failure to adhere occurs multiple times. Yep, really. Let's go back to Nazi Germany. Yep. Why? Because uh, Anthony Fauci said back on January 12th, and President Joe Biden said the very same thing, would be exposed and likely infected by the Omicron variant. Why? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the biggest part, Dowd. Uh, uh, what, what type of approach are they taking? What is UNM Garnet Stokes <laughs> stating about all this? I just, I just, this woman is in charge of a major university uh, in the American Southwest, ladies and gentlemen. She says that we are taking a data-driven, uh, evidence-based approach. There you go. That's what it is. There's probably, if you're looking at types of properties in America, there's probably no safer property in our country than a college campus in terms of being able to avoid Rona deaths, Rona hospitalizations, young, healthy people, and they are in complete panic, but it's all based on data. I wonder if the students at University of New Mexico are having sex with their masks on. Hmm? Okay. I mean, yeah, we're yeah, going we into data, data <laughs> di- driven approaches to reduce yep. STDs yep. at the yeah. University the truly of New Mexico. Safe sex. Yeah, but there you yep. go. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of uh, Naked Gun when we they said that they, you know, uh, Drebin and uh, <laughs> uh, Presley, Presley had safe sex yeah. and they're hugging each other in giant condoms. Now, <laughs> this we're following the science, uh, folks. You know who's not following the science? The students. 28.6% of student population has to be boosted. Only half of the faculty have uh, said that they've re- re- received any booster shot at this point. Okay. The whole goal of this, according to the spokesperson, is keeping students safe while ensuring their educational experience is minimally compromised. Yes, your educational experiences are compare, I mean, completely and totally compromised at this point. It's anything but college, folks. Back after a quick break, we'll talk more about the Omicron hysteria. It's going crazy throughout the rest of New Mexico, especially the eastern part. And uh, maybe you want to know when uh, the Omicron will sort of uh, top off. A lot of people putting that in the forecast. I guess you need a weatherman for that. When you, you'll find out when you can leave your house, ladies That's and right. gentlemen. Going to get the forecast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Back in four, right here in the Kiva.
That's Bob Dylan, of course. And uh, that song was re-recorded on this day back in 68. He recorded his version. Jimi Hendrix did. And uh, London at the Olympic Studios. Couldn't afford a bar tab, but apparently could afford a plane flight to record that. Rolling Stone, Brian Jones and Dave Mason from Traffic. We just disagree. One of my favorite songs. Uh, you might remember Traffic and Dave Mason's Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. The track was released in the U.S. as a single in 68, peaking at only number 20, but on the classic rock stations, it's number one for all the time. And it has that really cool intro, of course. And I don't think Bob Dylan minded that that uh, one bit, uh, D. Dodd Musk. The Dow 3000 here. Uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Uh, 550-5500 is always bringing you the rock of talk, which includes all the uh, classic information on, hey, the things that make, two things make this uh, this world move. Love and music, really. No music, no life, D. Dowd Musk. I think uh, we can both uh, agree on that I as could, well. Could, could not agree more. I know that uh, covers, you know, you walk on thin ice when you do a cover, but uh, I think Hendrix uh, made that song probably a lot more famous than, than Dylan ever could. And I, if I remember correctly, Paul McCartney said that the best Beatles cover was um, Ray Charles's version of Eleanor Rigby. That was his wow. favorite Beatles cover. We're going to have to go ahead and cut into that at some point. That sounds good. Uh, look at all the lowly people. It's lowly, it's not lovely, and it's not lonely. Lowly. Lowly. Yeah. All right. Check me. Okay. COVID. Uh, Liverpool accent. Yeah, what's that? The Liverpool accent. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, whatever it is. So we were all saying it. I'm, I'm, it, it could be lovely. It could be lonely. You know, I think people are just trying to figure it out. But it's about a funeral. Uh, I don't remember. It was like a, it's an actual funeral, right? Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, and of course, John got the uh, the being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. He got that from an old poster from the Victorian era about, okay. you know, jumping through the, the flaming hoops and all that. A lot of that stuff they got from historical references. And of course, uh, Penny Lane from John's Penny Lane, memory. there it is. Oh, yeah. There it is. Yeah. yeah, it's actually lonely, uh, not lowly. It's lonely. There it is. I missed it. I'm telling you what, I met, what I'm like 0 for 3 this week. Lou Rawls, Lou Reed, we did that. Uh, what else did I did? David Brinkley and John Hinckley. <laughs> and then here we go. Lowly and lonely. There it is. Uh, Mr. Aragon needs a weekend to recover and, and recharge the brain batteries. <laughs> you know, my, my, uh, my uh, you know, I'm just slugging it out. <laughs> you know, a little Muhammad Ali, but I got to tell you, yeah, I'm missing uh, for the uh, for the first time. I, can't get can't get it right all the time, D. Dowd Muska. 550-5500. Omicron hysteria setting in into old Nuevo Mexico. Boy, one of the most sparsely populated, fourth largest contiguous states, and we're scared. We're scared of everything. Don't go outside. E e. Covid nineteen case counts in New Mexico are at all time high. That's what they're saying. E spooky. They're predicting that Omicron will peak out at the end of this month. So the middle of next month is when they expect the hospitals to, like, hit the real peak. Okay. So hospitalizations are up, but ventilators are down. So they're hoping that that's all a sign that uh, Omicron is less severe. Because it is less severe. You don't have to hope for it to be. It is less severe. Well, Dr. Scrace, uh, you, you got to do your best, Dr. Scrace, uh, doubt. Oh, Dr. Scrace, when he talks about COVID, about the types of people who are going to go ahead and say, uh, you know, well, I'm just going to get the COVID. Give me your best dis uh, Dr. Disgrace, Dowd. Uh, Governor, uh, you're doing such a wonderful job. You know, recently I've heard from a lot of people like, I'm just going to take my chances. I'm just going to get COVID and get it over with. Well, number one, just because you get COVID doesn't mean it's over with unless you die from COVID. We've had many people with recurrent cases of COVID, Governor. 
We love you, Governor. Uh, I think wasn't he her uh, uh, female doctor? Wasn't he her? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, mother's physician was it? Uh, I don't know. It's all that. Whatever. I apologize uh, to the listeners if my doctor disgrace is not that great because it's really good, I haven't actually. I have not listened to these dog and pony shows for months and months and months. Remember when we all used to watch them live in the early days? Yeah, right. Um, I tuned out a long time ago. Yeah, we used to watch the number of people who would actually be watching as well. We keep track of that, and people just lost interest, right? Now, what they want you to do is take more personal responsibility, just like we were saying. Funny how we kind of always lead these people, right, on this whole thing. And they're going to take credit for the fact that you were on their side. Now they're going to do a rollout of the uh, uh, Bozo Biden uh, home care test. That's what they're going to do right now. Then they're going to accelerate the New Mexico Notify app as well. Well, here's the problem. You dumbasses who are taking the test all the time, you're idiots. Don't go into places that require the test or require the mask or require the vax. You are driving the numbers. We told you less testing. You don't need to test, okay? They handed out 150 test kits. And we're in uh, Tucum and Cary, Quay County, the place that uh, I hail from, by the way, eastern New Mexico. New surge of COVID-19 cases in Quay County prompted three educational institutions to go remote learning or delay class. Dowd, we have young people dying. There's young people dying, Dowd, in the uh, state of New Mexico now. Are you aware of this, Dowd? There's young <laughs> people dying. We have, uh, we have uh, kids in elementary school, high school yep. dying. Rampant. Let's uh, take a look at the uh, long list of people who are dying in Quake County that they're required to go ahead and uh, shut down the school. Your mama sure do care about your schooling. A woman in her 80s who was hospitalized and had underlying conditions. Yeah, she was done. Seriously, really? 80 years? That's past, uh, I think, the average age that people li- uh, live based upon the new COVID numbers, like 77.6 now. We used yep. to be at 78.9. Now we're at 77.6. Well, a woman in her 80s shut down the schools. Oh, I get it. A man in his 70s, yes, who was hospitalized and had many underlying conditions. Yep. Yeah. Shut down the schools. Yeah. Shut it down. That's not it. Uh, we needed to shut down the schools because a woman in her 100s, <laughs> she was, she was going to make it to 110 if it wasn't for the COVID. She was a resident of the assisted living facility in Logan, New Mexico. Great people. But here's what's happening in Logan and San Juan and Tucumcari and up and down that road. These people are all taking the test. Someone got into someone else's head and said, someone died. Now we all need to do it. Do you guys ever see M. Night Shyamalan's The Village? Do you guys see that? It's a little bit like that, right? Have the fence, don't leave. Everyone's getting it. You know, everyone's got this community cabin fever that's going on. So San Hone, after all this, went to all remote learning January 11th. The whole place in San Hone is remote. You couldn't even find it on the map in most places. True. But it's on the Facebook page, and uh, you better pay attention. San Hone Municipal, these are people that are just like, we have no use for school. They postponed last week's district boys and girls basketball games against Logan and Melrose. That's literally shutting the place down. That's the only event out there. And they're, they're tough. Those girls and, and boys out there, they're tough. I think it's six-man football even. Here's the uh, breakdown of COVID-19 cases in Quake County by zip code. What? Isn't it all just one giant zip code in eastern New Mexico with sparsely populated thousand-person towns? This is now impacting the mental state 
of these rural areas. These are guys that wake up at four in the morning to feed the cows and the horses. Well, no, That's right. not doing that anymore because of COVID. Well, they shut down Mesa Community College. They had one case. Two can carry public schools. Shut down three cases. Yeah. San Hone, tough as nails. Two cases. Shut it down. Shut it down. Got another one out in uh, Eastern Place, CAA. Two cases. How about the Income Support Division? Two cases there. Shut it down. Denny's, they got a case reported there. Turquoise Child Development Center, one case there. Even the New Mexico Department of Transportation, one case. Shut it all down. Quake County, let me tell you how right-wing they are and how much they don't care. They really don't care. Like, like, like who is... Are these newspapers are newspapers only run by leftists? They might be. Yeah. And they're driving the conversation by getting the voice out there. According to state data, through Friday, only 51.7% have been vaccinated. Apparently, statewide, we're 89.6%. I'm glad I only know people of the 10.4%. Uh, 76.3% of eligible residents have been fully vaccinated in the state of New Mexico. That's a lie. But this is also seeping into slightly larger towns with... Some other people. And that would be Portales. I couldn't believe this. You want to talk about even the right side of the state is going leftist. They're shutting down Portales schools tomorrow. I mean, excuse me, today. They shut it down today, but they didn't shoot it down. They didn't shut it down yesterday. Somehow COVID was not in the schools yesterday. They're wide open. (laughs) But today they shut it down for for a good deep cleaning doubt. A good deep clean. We're, we're going to be closed on Friday so that custodial maintenance staff can deep clean each school. School will resume as usual on Monday. No league games, no practices until the 24th on Monday. This is not something we take lightly. But out of an abundance of caution, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. And to be in line with state and health department guidelines in order not oh. to get our asses kicked by the governor, the decision to close and clean seems to be the best option at this time. You think there's hope? For conservatives and right-wingers here in the state of New Mexico, after you're reading the shutdown of San Juan, Logan, Tucumcari, and Portales, I mean, that's as good as people get in the state of New Mexico as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That's yeah, what you know, I hail that, from. Uh, uh, Muska's theorem of uh, uh, my axiom of New Mexico public policy, the closer you get to Texas, the better things get. Uh, when you're looking at Curry County, Roosevelt County, Panicking, Quay County, that is uh, very, very discouraging. I just ran the numbers quickly, Eddie, on on our beloved Quay County, where Tucumcari is. Uh, they, I don't know if they probably, I hope they still have the K-Bobs there because I had a... No, they shut it down. They shut down K-Bobs. Oh, great. Good, good, good to know. Yeah, yeah I just want to let you know. Economic activity yep, yep. in our troubled uh, state. Uh, sorry, so almost two years into this in Quay County, they're starting to shut down again. You'd probably think something like, well, maybe 10% of the population of Quay County has been killed by the Rona. No. Five, maybe 5% has been killed by the Rona. No. One, 1% of the counties people right. died from the Rona. No. Uh, the number of people dying either from or with, in all likelihood, with uh, 0.4% in the county the last two years. There you go. As always, the Dow 3000 has the numbers. And you get the experience, the Jimi Hendrix experience, right here in the Kiva. This is Bob Dylan's original song. Then became Jimi Hendrix on this day, way back in 68, and now it's forever Jimi Hendrix. Back in a moment, wrap the hour with some crazy, a crazy new hotline. Yeah, a crazy new racial hotline. You want to take a listen here for the state of New Mexico. There must be some kind of way out of here. 
Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Yeah, a little Bee Gees action. Uh, this album, I remember it. I grew up with that album. It was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, stayed number one for 24 consecutive weeks, uh, beginning uh, on this day way back in 1978. I played that thing until the cows came home. And guess what? The cows never did come home. I just kept playing it and playing it. Look at little Eddie over there dancing, playing to John, John Travolta. You've got a great John Travolta voice, huh? Watch your hair. Watch your hair. Watch your hair. Uh, well, <laughs> Not watching your hair. You better watch your mouth. What you say, fool? What you say? Well, here's what's going on here with the New Mexico PED, the Public Education Department, okay? Uh, and, and by the way, they're putting this out as a public notice, ladies and gentlemen. Deputy Secretary Vicki Bannerman made it clear the hotline is for everyone. State-run hotline, folks, where students and parents can call to report racism and bullying. Great. Who's getting bullied? Oh, no. This is only set up for 2.4% of the population. That's right. Black students of New Mexico. It's a part of the bigger push for the state to better meet the needs of black students. They're, they're literally saying that, and they started this this week on Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Anyone who feels they have been subjected to racism, justice, unfair treatment, we encourage everyone, anyone to utilize this tool to report. Not anyone. No. Black people. Anti-racism, anti-oppression hotline. It doesn't matter if you're getting harassed for your mask or, you know, getting harassed for your political beliefs or anything like that. Hey, they want you to call 226-3911. 505-226-3911. They get two people there. Eight to five. It's a hotline. Huh? Wait, what, why did they start this hotline, Dow? They got uh, some new uh, reports coming in. Here's some of just a taste of what they have coming into the, uh, the hotline, Dow. A student was made fun of by a teacher in a classroom. The teacher was making general sounds as if to call the child a monkey. As if to call a child a monkey. They didn't say that the, the teacher called the child a monkey. The teacher was making a sound. Oh, that must, sounds like a monkey. That must be me because I'm black. I'm going to cold call the hotline because my teacher's racist because I'm not really sure the sound that they were making, but it must be racist. Yeah. It was immediately addressed with full support from the school. I might add racism. How can you be racist if you don't have to go to school? Federal charges were quickly brought. Oh, yes. <laughs> Eddie, you know, this is insane. You're a father. Yeah. Uh, I spent 11 years uh, heavily, heavily daily involved in raising a um, high, high maintenance child, <laughs> very high IQ, high maintenance child. I mean, you really do, particularly at the very young level, you can shape the the child's perceptions of reality very easily. Yes, you for, can. For the good and for oh, the bad. Yeah. Right. And I think when you tell a child discrimination, uh, right. hatred, yep. racism is everywhere, everywhere, and we're going to set up a hotline for you, in, invariably young children are going to start to see this everywhere. There's a great movie, um, well, it's, it's actually kind of a, horrific and chilling movie called dog tooth mm -hmm. uh it's from greece and it's about parents who keep their children in a compound mm. and they only they create this wacky reality for the children so they believe all sorts of crazy stuff uh they see planes in the sky and the parents 
convince them that sometimes the planes fall out of the sky and they get little models of planes and leave them on the grass right. and the kids can go find them and they actually believe that those are those little planes up in the sky right. falling onto their property. I mean, that's how much mind control indirectly you have over a child. Uh, when you introduce this kind of, this is called the anti-racism, anti-oppression hotline. There it uh, is. Addressing a problem that, that, that for all intents and purposes just doesn't exist. And a child's going to create that. Yeah, a child's going to create exactly. that, just as you said. What Dowd is saying is essentially that. I mean, you're looking for that. You're going to create that or manufacture a story. And we know that children manufacture stories all the time. Are we really going to believe a child? Yes, in most cases. But when you're asking them to, you know, pull it out of them, of course, a child is going to, you know, embellish, uh, you know, I think uh, go hyperbolic, if you will, uh, in order to sort of create the, because you're paying attention to him or her. <gasps> The more they talk and the more they embellish, the more interesting that that particular student becomes. So this is just total ridiculousness, uh, top to bottom, but they created it nonetheless. Uh, here, here's what, uh, here's part of what fortifies this story. Uh, I believe that this uh, comes from KOAT and they put this crap in here. According to the data from the PED, the four-year graduation rate for black students was 74%, which is three points below the state average and seven points below the average for white students. The president of the NAACP believes this hotline is a positive step for the state. What, in graduation? You think that that's just a number. That's reality. You can't change that by creating an anti-racism racism hotline. You're not going to create a higher number of graduates. In fact, it's going to be probably quite the opposite because you're going to get students to focus on something that's not exactly that. Got to hit the top of the hour. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in right here in the Kiva. AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I am Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk at AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. 550-5500, hour two coming at you here on this Friday afternoon with uh, D-Dowd Musk uh, in tow here and uh, always enjoying ourselves uh, each and every week uh, here. Don't forget to download things, uh, which is like you can get it on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Hey, have some fun there on Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And why not jump into the app at uh, rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And we are actively recruiting you to become fully-fledged members, uh, non-chintzy members, uh, if you will, of the uh, Rock of Talk by becoming a subscriber uh, every day for 20 cents, and you'll get the full Jimi Hendrix uh, experience, if you will. D-Dod Muska, how are you? Hour two. I am well. And folks, again, that's about 19.6 cents a day. You get the daily email, which gets gets you fully informed for the entire day. It's waiting for you in your inbox at 4 a.m. Uh, I'm not up at 4 a.m., but if you're up at 4 a.m., you'll have it waiting for you. Uh, you get my original reporting. And of course, you get the audio file with notes of every single one of our shows, less than 20 cents a day. Covered a lot of stuff, hour number one, including the Bozo Biden, why UNM sucks, Omicron hysteria, and how it's uh, all over the state, and uh, schools as well. Yesterday, we, we talked all about the cancellation of basketball and just uh, you know the cruelty that's going on. But let's actually talk about something that matters, I think, at most to me and what's happening around us in the surrounding states, uh, et cetera. And that, of course, is growth. Things are happening other places. 
And it's time that we pay attention, note it, and see what we can do to, I don't know, mimic it or I, I, I try to replicate it in some weird way, Dad. You'd think what we want to be successful. So why not try to figure out what some of these other states are doing? Now, um, I'm not interested in Utah's uh, woke wokeness that's going on as of late. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous from, you know, prescribing the uh, medicines based upon your race. Uh, that stuff just is not going to go. And then there, of course, is the uh, fastest growing uh, place in the country, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. The two states that have been growing up until the newly discovered information that came out yesterday, Idaho and Utah, okay? These are two states that have had population growth. They have taken new businesses on. They've taken workers away from other states, notably Washington, Oregon, California, right? Nevada. Nevada as well. Texas and Arizona now have joined these other states in achieving this. And we're going to get more and more of this. And this is going to play into the 2022 elections. They've recovered all the jobs that they lost at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. This is a trend that is expected to include other dozen states by the middle of the year that will change the national dialogue on. What was your state's reaction? What was your state's reaction to the pandemic? And trust me, in the state of New Mexico, the person who's saying that, that is unvaxxed, is going to win the nomination come June in the Republican primary. These states have benefited from demographic shifts, okay, that they even had before and during the pandemic. They've had growth in retail, warehousing, technology. New Mexico? Ah, uh, no. They've left... Crowded and expensive urban areas. They've left states that are blue. All these states that I'm talking about are all Republican controlled and have had virtually zero COVID-19 restrictions. Very relaxed. From an analyst who's with Moody's, which rates everything. Does Moody's still have a good rep on uh, Wall Street, uh, D-Doubt? I think so, yeah. So persistent, strong population growth is what they've all had. People flocking, and you see the fastest-growing state. The U.S. lost two, 22 million jobs in March, okay? In 2020. Remember, we went from uh, 3.5% to, like, 15% in no time. The latest available state data in each of these states. Texas, this is just this year, 28,000 more jobs in February. Arizona had nearly 5,000 more. Idaho had 14,500 more. Utah, 61,000 more. New Mexico, we've lost about 80,000 jobs. Pre-pandemic, we were 915,000. Post-pandemic, we're about 845,000. Is Omicron going to stop these states? No. Will Omicron stop a state like New Mexico? Already is. We presented all the evidence for that. Arizona is really, I think, kind of the closest in proximity shining star that you guys can all pay attention to, okay? Building there is booming. Year-over-year housing prices, uh, 31% escalation. State payrolls are exacerbated, growing through the roof in Arizona right now. They didn't have a stay-at-home order in Arizona. New Mexico, we did. Many other blue states, they did as well. What's really great is prior to the pandemic, Arizona had a great cost of living. Now, I mean, it's through the roof because there's more rooftops, literally. Remote workers are flying in, going in. 
Things are growing. So you got Idaho, Utah, Montana, Arizona, who all had the largest percentage growth in their populations from 2020 through 2021. And the biggest numeric growth overall, you got it. Hold Texas, hold the nation, as Alan West says. 310,000 people. They grew by nearly an Albuquerque during the pandemic. They grew by entire Albuquerque. Even uh, Blue City, Austin, Texas is leading the charge. You have HP, Oracle, Tesla all moving to uh, Austin, Texas. I think uh, HP is in Houston. So, so how does New Mexico react to something like this? Right? You see this positive news. We got to combat it. We got our blue newspapers, the Albuquerque Journal, our blue newspaper, the Santa Fe, New Mexico. What, what, do, what do they do? Oh, they talk about immigrants from blue states, trust fund babies who can afford the elevated price of homes because we're not rolling out any new homes because all the construction is in red states because that's where home home builders are going to go build because they know people have money there and things are growing. They're hardly building anything here in the state of New Mexico. That's right. 4.5 million people quit their jobs in November. And the Santa Fe New Mexican decided to go ahead and venture out in the uh, great wide open and find a few of the people out there who had moved to the state of New Mexico and love it. Oh, I left New York. I was dealing with so much stress. I had ungrateful parents. I was in the medical field and now I can, you know, with all the money I got, I need better pay, more freedom. Oh, uh, uh, what do you do when you're that age? Yeah, you decide to become a flight attendant. Her Sorry. dream job. You know what a flight attendant pays? Peanuts. That's why that's what they hand you. And she left for less money because she didn't need it. That's what this article fails to understand is that she traded off based upon the amount of money that she received. Or maybe she piled up over the years. People are calling it quits all over the place. So the state of New Mexico... Uh, uh, media outlets are saying, oh, welcome in, Illinois. Welcome in, California. Welcome in, New York. Now, this is happening everywhere. But the people are quitting jobs other places. are picking up and going someplace else. That's what's not also factored into this number. Okay? But then they talk about a local dude. Felipe Perez. He went from delivery driving to 3D printing. Oh. That's right. Now he can afford to go ahead and pay for his bills. I would look for a job that allowed me to be fully remote, this other person said. Oh, what could be better than being remote in a remote place like New Mexico, right? All these people are picking up, leaving their previous jobs, sitting on a pile of cash or trust fund babies and coming here. What does that do for the state of New Mexico? It drives prices up, but not quite in the same way that Arizona is being driven up. Because here we have scarcity, scarcity of restaurants, Scarcity of industry, scarcity of business, scarcity of everything because we have less and less and less. And that's driving the prices up, but that does not mean that it's better. People are charging more, but that does not mean it's better. Did you know that inflation is generally a tax? If prices escalated 7% and you only got a COLA adjustment of 3%, you lost 4% in purchasing power. And if you are weighted in any of the other sectors, like you buy a reused car, you buy groceries, you buy any of those things, quite likely you lost a lot more than that because things were so expensive. And New Mexico has become more expensive to live in because of scarcity. We're right in line with the national average in New Mexico with the number of the workforce people who are quitting, okay? 
And they're switching from one industry to the other because they're not worried about money. We had 25,000 people who quit their job in the state of New Mexico in August. Back to Pettis, he says he didn't want to be at his job anymore. I feel a little more, more middle class than lower class now, bro. My first paycheck, I bought tires, llanteras for my car. I feel my mental state has really improved, no? Because I don't have any income anxiety. Everyone is getting government money, government checks, the payout. Yet another thing this article fails to mention. Then you got Khan, who worked with my uh, friend, who's now deceased, Tony Zay, Zappo CEO. Yes, I did hang out with Tony Zay. My, you know, my partner was Rebecca Lynn, whose uh, husband was Alfred Lynn, uh, who was second in line with Zappo CEO and a really, really great guy. VC people. She was literally Chinese, by the way. She had the uh, strangest. I, I think I've told you the story before, right, Doug? Yep. So they found another one who didn't need any money. She was working with Tony Zay. She had moved to Park City and, oh, she's coming to New Mexico and Santa Fe. She has her own independent platform. Artificially increasing prices everywhere. How? Why? Well, because we got more immigrants coming from other blue states who want to be here and who need culture. Remember, one of the reasons why people adopt the state of New Mexico is they come from a place where they have no culture. So they figure out ways to go and put on a sarape, eat the green chili, drink the IPA, watch the balloons and say, hey, I'm New Mexican. And it take a whole lot more than that. We're not that cheap. And we need to have a higher level of appreciation for ourselves, Nuevo Mexico. And just, to, and just so you know, the price increases are hitting absolutely everything. Including one of the things that I will tell you, people who are lower income probably spend a lot of money on. Probably their biggest ticket item when they walk out of a grocery store. And why, why do I know this? Well, I come from a lower income background where my parents worked their ass off so that they can create opportunity for us. And I remember why the laundry detergent was always the most expensive. If you think that, then you have lived in, right? I mean, my, my jeans were like a dollar or two over a pick and save. The cost of Tide, the cost of, you know, Shout, all, whatever it is that you use, always like $7, $8, right? Think now with those uh, little plastic things, it's like $18, $19 with a high-efficiency, fancy, fancy washer and dryer. Well, even that is now increasing. Gain, bounce, unstoppables, Tide. Why? Freight costs. I'm going to tie this directly back to the cost of energy. We were tops in New Mexico in two counties, number one and number five oil producing counties, Eddie and Lee County. Keystone pipeline was abolished. The green new energy deal came into play. Dowd and I, you, we need to write a book on this and it completely changed the economy during the downturn of COVID-19. In fact, we went to negative $37 a barrel. That's how bad it got in the state of New Mexico. And what's happened since that time? Bottlenecks. Less gas, more dependence, and an increase in your price for gas each and every week. That's gone. It used to be at 220, 230, then all went all the way to 370, now back down to about uh, 365, averaging across the, the country right now. I think the lowest you can get here is like uh, 295 or three bucks. But that's a significant increase, and that impacts everything that goes to a store, that goes to a restaurant, that goes to a business. And that cost gets passed on everywhere. 
freight costs that would continue to increase. That's what's driving detergent. Yes. They raise prices on absolutely everything. Baby care, fabric care, feminine care, personal health care. This is the problem. How can I reach those people to let them know on their, uh, what, what do you call those cards? What, what's the EBT, EBT cards? That their EBT cards doesn't go as far and they need to vote Republican. Because that's what I would be focused on right now. If you're a gubernatorial candidate, I'd be talking to those people who are dependent upon the state and federal government right now. And I'd be telling them, well, you know, that uh, did, did you get a 20% a boost in your EBT, a 30% boost in your EBT? Because if you didn't, you're 30% poorer than you were before because you are now dependent. And I can show you how that works. That's, that's the message here that I think is a, a, such an important uh, takeaway for all of this. So what are your thoughts? 550, 5500, Dow? Wow. Uh, you know, so many, so many directions to go to uh, uh, here, Eddie. We, we are just getting back to the, our neighborhood, Texas, Arizona, uh, you could even throw some other states in there too, like Texas and Arizona being the two big dogs. We are still down 2.3% overall in terms of our jobs. Not only have we not gotten back to where we were in February, the month, February 2020, the month before the, the craziness started, uh, we are, we are uh, 20, over 20,000 jobs down. 2.3% overall. And as I've said so many times, we live in a, a murderer's row of states that get policy right, consistently get policy right. So not only do we have to implement smart policies in New Mexico, we need to keep pace with our go-getter neighbors. Uh, and of course we do exactly the opposite. We just continue to take steps backwards, backwards, backwards. And now we're seeing, believe it or not, in this legislative session currently underway, possibility of tax hikes, possibility of regulations driving energy costs even higher in New Mexico. Uh, no hope on the school choice front, no hope on the right to work front. We sure do like our poverty in the land of enchantment. We do. We're poverty pimps. And uh, the, hemp, the head pimp is uh, up in Santa Fe. Back after a quick break, uh, back on this day in uh, 1989, six weeks after his death. Didn't realize that he died in December. Uh, the legendary Roy Orbison collection started and you were listening to it on PBS and everywhere else all the time. And uh, it started a six week run at number one. One of his greatest hits, not my favorite uh, of his, but certainly a great song nonetheless. Pretty Woman by the great Roy Orbison. Back here right after a quick break. Pretty woman walking down the street. Pretty woman, the kind I like to meet. Pretty woman. Billy Idol there, uh, William Michael Albert Broad, 66 years young. Yep, uh, Billy Idol is that old. He's 66 years of age, uh, folks. Uh, Moni Moni, uh, he has dual citizenship, by the way. He's both English as well as American, and uh, he was ordered on this day uh, way back in 1992 after assault and battery charges were filed against him outside a West Hollywood restaurant. He was fined $2,700, and then he had to do public service work, uh, D. Dowd Muska, uh, part of his uh, uh, public service work uh, was to create commercials 
anti-drug commercials. Uh, that's what. I, can you even order anybody to do anything like that? You can't even keep anybody. <laughs> like, we want you to appear in anti-drug commercials, Billy Idol. Like uh, that just doesn't happen. So no, not if you're a real rock and roller. <sighs> the most What's that an- line from the 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 English the the fake English rocker in that that uh, movie? Uh, oh, what's that Hugh Grant movie where? Uh, the, the, the washed up rocker says kids don't buy drugs become a rock star and they give them to you for free <laughs> oh I think that was Notting Hill wasn't he uh, wasn't that uh, yeah I think it was Notting Hill with... might have been Love Actually I don't oh, know oh really there I, you go yeah. oh yeah when he runs around with a little white fat kid right yeah. yes yes yeah there he goes so Love Actually I don't know I don't watch uh, the man it wasn't so Hugh Grant was hanging out with a, a big black prostitute in a car. Isn't that how he got after? I believe he pulled up to one of the ladies of the night in Southern yeah. California. Yes. yes. Rangers in the night. And he had like <laughs> one of the most beautiful uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, he was married to her at the time. I, believe, so, I don't know if they ever married. They were together a long time. Well, though, he yeah. was with her at the time. And then, you know, right. Elizabeth yeah. Hurley's like, if you want that, you can have that dog. Yeah, you, you, See ya. Later. No, thank you. All right. So we're talking about how the price of everything is going up. Okay. Now your state officials have taken notice, right, Dow? Dominic, they, they're, they're on this and they know that there's things are more expensive and they cannot wait. They cannot wait to give themselves a pay bump, including, yes, the governess herself, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Listen to this. This is incredible. And again, this is not being played up in the media. Not covered in four, not covered in seven or 13. This pay bump that is going to get approved, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to get approved. And you're not doing anything about it because you're not hearing anything about it. You simply are not. We should, we should have talked about, uh, talked about it yesterday, but I didn't get to it. Five-figure pay bumps across the board for everybody. Public service, well, it pays in the state of New Mexico, especially at the highest levels. Elected officials receive five-figure salary increases under the one of several bills that have been endorsed at the start of the session. They also want to make uh, New Mexico and part of the same exact bill. Hydrogen production. Yes. Uh, okay. What, whatever. It's going to be a signature piece of legislation. They always talk about things like that. Just like an in, uh, <clears throat> embarrassment of riches and an abundance of caution and signature, signature piece of legislation. I think got all the little connectors. They also say, well, we're going to give ourselves an increase and we're going to reduce the gross receipts tax by a quarter percent, which is nothing. Zilch. Mississippi, they're just getting rid of it altogether. Like, ah, we just want a sales tax all the way across the board. We're going to do what Tennessee's doing. We're going to stop doing what stupid does, which is what we've been doing for 150 years. They also have a brand new venture capital program out of the New Mexico Finance Authority that they see all the money just got so much money. How did we come out of this? How do we come out of the pandemic so well? Well, when you uh, kiss enough ass up in Washington, D.C., this is what you get. But but here's how stupid Democrats are. Bobby Gonzalez, Rancho de Taos. Hey, we're going to get an increase finally. This is something that's way overdue. No. We're the last state in the country that doesn't have compensation for the legislators, no? Well, Bobby's all sorts of stupid, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not much going on in Rancho de Taos as far as uh, education is concerned. He, he, this, this guy's a fool. Patty Lundstrom out of Gallup had to correct him on this. Hey, those are for statewide positions, Bobby. Calm down over there. <laughs> You're not getting a bump, bro. Hang out. Now, members of the PRC, 
56%. They're going from 90,000 to 140,000. Sweet. I'm going to run for the PRC. Oh, I can't run for the PRC because, uh, you know, Paul Guessing and the rest of you idiot Republicans and conservatives out there are like, we need the PRC not to be an elected position anymore. And we want to reduce it from five to three. Idiots. There we go. Pay bump, and you can't run for the position any longer. And they got rid of your office. The governor, boy, she's going to get about, uh, what, a 45% increase? From one hundred and ten dollars to $150,000. <laughs> Lieutenant governor, they're all making six figures, baby. Secretary of State, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver can finally start buying dinner. Hmm? $115K. The Attorney General, Hector, look at him, six figures. Time to some more. Uh, time to stroke up some more stogies there, Hector. I know you love them. 125K up from 90K. These guys don't run for these positions, by the way, for the money. And people have noticed that. They've never had a problem. Well, if you're a Republican, you, have a, you, you just don't drop out of the race, generally speaking, right? One guy, uh, I don't know what this guy is, Pat Woods out of Broadview. I don't even know where the hell that is. So we're not having any problem, uh, trouble having people run for these positions. These people don't need to have an increase in their salaries. I would fully agree with, with uh, old Pat. Maybe I don't agree with him on much, but I do agree with that. 56% increase. Stephen Fishman, a commissioner, said they, there better be some hot shots coming in. Hope they do hire some hot shots because that's a lot of money. They plan to raise the commissioner's pay 56%. And ladies and gentlemen, in addition, the Rio Grande Foundation and all these other people who voted, the Republicans who voted for this, the New Mexico voters actually approved this change with 55% of the vote. There you go. Careful who you listen to, and this is what they're getting. The biggest raise of all of these is proposed is directly to these commissioners. And it's turned out to be a tragic move. Boy, gone are the days when we had a good governor, Susanna Martinez, who you might remember vetoed 10% raises. Oh, now we got 56% raises for this person, 45%, 30% raises for the rest of the statewide offices. Better get in while the getting's good, folks. 550, 50, 500. That's 550, 50, 500. Taking advantage of the economy. It's like, what do we do? We pay ourselves more. Um, what else would we expect from them, Doug? You know, it's funny. Uh, you could probably get me in a in a powerhouse state, okay? Idaho, uh, Texas, Arizona, you know, booming uh, Tennessee, Florida. You might be able to make an, a, a justification to me that I could barely swallow for a pay hike for politicians in a state that is just setting records. And we do have superstar states. We we border several superstar states in a state that is dead last on the Family Prosperity Index that is always one or two in the rate of violent crime and the rate of property crime in a state that is, I would argue, we don't have an index for welfare dependency, but if we did have a welfare dependency index for the states, we'd, we'd be either one or two. Uh, we have the highest, per well, highest percentage of government and government contractor jobs, the lowest percentage of private sector jobs among the 50 states. That was uh, determined by a think tank back in 2013. We have some of the worst uh, behavioral health outcomes, things like suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, actually suicides, uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Uh, we have the lowest share of adults between the ages of 25 to 30 with a high school diploma. 
Do you think that our leaders, the quote unquote leaders of a state with those kind of statistics need a pay bump? Uh, I right. would humbly suggest yep. hell no. Hell, hell to the no. That's exactly it. Well, you might remember uh, Billy Idol for a number of things. This is what I remember, remember him for. His uh, greatest video and his greatest song. And if you don't remember this uh, video, go ahead and look. It's the cradle of love there with uh, old Billy Idol. Again, 66 years of age. You might remember the woman going directly to the cassette place. Man dropping his Chinese food. And there it is. Rock the cradle of love. Back and forth. Thanks for listening. There you go. You got a little uh, Jethro Tull there, Aqualung. Probably their best hit. Uh, not a lot of people really pay attention to old Jethro Tull. And there might be a reason uh, for that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because it was this day back in. Oh, my gosh. This is uh, just a little disturbing for you, Dowd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, pep you right out of your seat here with this one. David Palmer, former keyboard player for that band, Jethro Tull, changed his name to D. Palmer. After a successful sex change operation, he was the keyboard ah. player for Jethro Tull between 69 and 80. He played on the Tull classics, including Thick as Brick and Aqualung. So there it is, Jethro Tull. Um, uh, sex change, uh, getting it done at a... At a, <clears throat> at a <clears throat> Do you think he went to Trinidad, Colorado? You know, that's... Uh, I don't know if there's... Oh, yeah, you've, you've, you've told me about that, yes. Yeah. You, you know, in the old days, it was... You know, whatever your feelings about this, I try not to think about this issue one way or, yeah, the other or sure. at all. Yeah. But, you know, in the old days, people would go and have these operations. Today, I guess you just identify as. So it's kind of like you don't really have to take the drugs or whatever. You just sort of call yourself something else and yeah. you're automatically that other thing. So, you get to keep you know. it. You get to keep all the uh, uh, beans and franks, as something about it, Mary says, right? Yep, keep yep, the beans yep. and franks, and then you just identify. You get to put on the accoutrement, the dress. Well, the, I've often thought about if that's what we can do now on my yeah. next license renewal, uh, just you know, calling myself transgendered. You can't prove it. You can't get into my mind. I, I am whatever I identify as. So if it qualifies me for any kind of extra, the point system we talked about earlier this week, uh, if I get any kind of benefit from this, let's go for it. There you go. I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> whatever, Whatever kind of... Fringe benefits you might get. You might not want to go that way, though, uh, one way or the other, because you do have to look, live with yourself and look at yourself uh, in the mirror. 550 500 you want to text in, I'll try to get to your text at the bottom of the top of next hour, hour number three coming up. And the uh, interesting thing, we don't hear much from the ABQ report. They're very sporadic in their reporting. Uh, it's like uh, if we find something we want to pick on the city for, we're going to go and do it. And I certainly appreciate it. I, I really do. I don't know that I'm necessarily on top of this whole angle about playing the race card. It seems to be a bit of an jaded uh, thing. And, you know, Dowd, I know that you look at this. This was uh, April of last year. And uh, when they thought it was Civil Guard, 
They put out APD. Sean Willoughby and his crew uh, went out there, the APD, and then these guys are like, we don't want to be part of this unit anymore because uh, there was just one man out there with glasses. You couldn't tell he was black, by the way. And he had two kids who were both white. So, uh, okay. Then this turned into a racial thing because there's a lot of anti-Proud Boy protesters, right? They, they saw the black man armed with a gun. And if you looked at his arms, he's black. If you look at his head, he's not black. If you look at his kids... I don't know if those are his kids, not black, but, uh, here you go. Uh, they thought he was part of the white supremacist group and they turned the screws on him down the other way. And the city of Albuquerque is uh, now paid out according to Dan Klein and the ABQ report city settles another wrongful prosecution case involving a black man. I mean, they, they're, uh, again, this stuff is, is a little bit lost on me, but it's uh, worth talking about whatever Dan Klein is interested in he is uh, always after tim keller and gil gallegos and as he should be i'm totally uh happy that he is and i think that's a good thing but uh, what can you tell us about uh Klein's reporting here yeah well i guess he's not we don't know the, the dollar amount that the settlement was for but sure. this incident you know i've read several pieces covering this eddie and i still don't feel like i understand exactly what happened uh back in april uh this was supposedly some sort of proud boys protest and of course what happens so many times is some type of protest is announced for anything that's considered conservative or you know libertarian constitutionalist or even out and out racist you've got people i certainly don't defend the kkk i think the new mexico civil guard is a totally different situation although people on the left try to lump everything together so there was some sort of proud boys protest called for uh, and of course everyone calls the proud boys white supremacists but and only one showed it, up a black guy showed up well no but at the national level as i understand it the proud boys have a lot of non-white people in this movement I, I don't know much about the proud boys so anyway as usual more protesters against these organizations show up than actually show up to do anything this gentleman shows up uh with these kids with this uh, hashtag save our children uh the cops are called out uh he you know the, the charges are eventually dropped and now we know that there was some sort of settlement reached uh again it's Reality is it's it's getting really really difficult to perceive what is actually happening now. I mean, when you have uh, this terrible event that's supposedly going to happen, and then you have more people out protesting the event than people who showed up to cause this terrible event, uh, and you have the white supremacists who are supposed to show up, and it's only one black guy. Uh, we live in strange times, Eddie. But again, the bottom line for the taxpayers of Albuquerque is they're paying out yet another settlement for uh, some. Poor behavior on the part of uh, the officials who decided to go after this guy. So I have to ask uh, the question: If we're paying out settlements, doesn't have the doesn't the public have a right to know what they paid it out for in yes. detail? Yes. Is that something that we could submit a FOIA on or anything else? Yeah, I think we should. I think that'd be interesting, right? At the very least, we'd actually get to the the details, and you know, the the only hard work that would actually have to be done is uh, is filing one of those, and I think. If we can get one of those and understand, then we know how weak they are in terms of negotiating because certainly the attorneys might know this and uh, are aware of this. And, you know, they start just punching the administration on any old thing. You just basically create these uh, type of almost key TAM uh, uh, type of, of uh, lawsuits yep. that forces them and forces their hand because they don't want to be publicly uh, embarrassed. And the city is happy to settle this because the money doesn't belong to APD. The money doesn't belong to uh, Tim Keller. It belongs to you. And you've paid That's this right. out. Wouldn't you like to know what you paid out in all this? It would be very interesting. Well, speaking of other, um, <clears throat> excuse me, payouts uh, potentially, uh, Colorado was sued. 
over a racially charged training for corrections officers. A former Colorado corrections officer is suing the Department of Corrections and others in federal court over a mandated, yes, you guessed it, equity, diversity, and inclusion training that created a racially hostile and discriminatory workplace. It ratcheted up racial tensions inside the prison and seemed designed to undermine the morale and teamwork of the facilities, guards, increasing risk for prisoners. Now, the official training said that all white individuals are racist, as they have been saying. Concept of race was invented by white people to justify oppressing non-whites. And if a white individual deny, denies their part in white supremacy, that is evidence of their white fragility, and they are racist. Other documents promoted in Colorado noted that training leaders needed to watch out for white horns and white talk when running discussions. What is white talk? I don't know what that is, but I must be doing it, right, all the time. I, well, I think we learned from the Smithsonian Institute of uh, the Museum of African Americans uh, that, that white, white talk is, uh, what, meeting deadlines, uh, delayed gratification, <laughs> savings, uh, going to church, <laughs> having a family, <laughs> whiteness. No, no other group on planet earth, uh, has those virtues at all. No, no, no. Just white people. Wow. So <laughs> Josh Young of Colorado Springs resigned his position after the department of corrections mandated this training for him and then told him that he was basically guilty of all this stuff. The lawsuit says the training violated his legal right to discrimination-free workplace. I would agree. Yeah. It also put safety of the everyone working out at the time of the facility by risking the risk of race-based tensions, turmoil, even violence. Who did this training actually victimize? Yes, Josh Young himself. That's right. Young feared the unity, cohesiveness, and morale of the guard would suffer. It did, putting everyone at the facility at greater risk. The other guards, by contrast, were very diverse, but also very unified and supportive of Young. So the Civil Rights Act of 64, 42 U.S.C. dash 2000 E, et cetera, et cetera. Young was subjected to hostile work environment and discrimination under that, according to the complaint, which makes it lawful for an employer, unlawful for an employer, to discriminate against any individual with respect to compensation, terms, conditions, privileges, employment, because such individuals race, color, religion, sex, or national Origin. State-sponsored racism is never appropriate, according to his general counsel, Bill Trackman. There you go. Eat out well, I, I think this young fellow filing this lawsuit, Eddie, it, it doesn't make me happy that this had to happen. But right. if it raises awareness of the key point, I think, here, and it just is, is so true in the military, in law enforcement, we're a diverse country, much right. more diverse now than we were 50 years ago. You've got guys standing by each other watching each other's back anybody who's watched three minutes of a prison documentary and i, I love watching those prison documentaries because it is just another planet that world uh not it's not just oz on hbo i mean it, those real prison documentaries it these prisons are they fall along racial lines you gotta get mobbed up with your group so it's more important than ever that the COs, the corrections officers, regardless of age or religion or race or anything, they got to have each other's backs. They can't play that nonsense that's going on in the prison themselves. So you have leadership, management, sowing racial division among the, the, the employees where racial harmony needs to be 100%. We're all in this together, boys. We're in the same ditch together. And I'm really glad he made that point. We work in far and away the most racially charged environment in America prisons and they're injecting racism exactly. into our workplace. This is madness. Getting people to think about racism is racism itself. Uh, in fact, yep. as, as far as I'm concerned and teaching people that something is racist is coaching 
racism. I, I would also uh, agree with that statement. Uh, let's remember the whole Islamic Center that that was uh, meant to be anti. It was meant to be racist, right? And then anti, um, you know, religious or anti-Muslim and all of that. Let's catch up with the latest on that. Uh, the woman who's accused of setting fires at the Islamic Center. Well, apparently she has a whole history of mental health. This has nothing to do with a hate crime against the Islamic Center. They have a half hour long surveillance video, but this is the way the Islamic Center tried to stoke it. Remember, they all congregated. They were talking. This is a woman with a severe set of alcohol and drug addictive issues. Islea Camarena. That's right. The judge ruled there's no conditions to release that would keep the community safe. Oh, between a woman who's just getting drunk and setting random fires at religious places. She has a criminal history dating back to 98, not racist. Okay. She has aggravated DWI first offense, continues to pick up more DWIs uh, all the way through her years. Then she got her first felony possession of controlled substances after both sides argued their case back in 2016 on that. The judge sided with the state agreeing to keep her in jail pending trial. This woman, she can't wait to get her next hit, her next fix. She probably didn't even know where she was at, but that didn't prevent the Islamic Center of the state of New Mexico or uh, the Islamic Center right down the street here, Dowd, uh, from basically saying that it was a hate crime, right? Yep. Just another just another hate crime. So, oh, wow. I don't know how that, that's getting through. Getting, getting random, random, uh, uh, ra- random calls. Well, Sorry about and that. And before we let this one go, Eddie, this is Keller, December 29th Thank press you. release. So we're going back, uh, what, I got uh, three weeks now. Um, this soy boy doofus who runs New Me- the, the, the city of Albuquerque. Hate crime. Quote, acts like this one that targets, uh, um, uh, oh, I got that wrong, uh, verb tense, Albuquerque's Islamic faith community, targeting the Islamic faith community. He's milking this for all it's worth. The facts hadn't come out the way we have them now, uh, have no place in our city. With one voice, Albuquerque clearly reaffirms our support and solidarity with our Muslim community. There you go. This He is a racial, religious uh, ambulance chaser yeah. akin to Jesse Jackson. This, this, this press release, he should be apologizing for this press release. Uh, he was milking and taking advantage of something and blowing something up into something it wasn't. In order to just virtue signal and you know please all the lefties in the city, Tim Keller. I'm sorry. I used to be. I used to defend Tim Keller because Manny was so bad, but Manny's faded into the background now. I'm back to hating Tim Keller. Keller full time. Well, there you go. I mean, just uh, he just loves to stoke those fires uh, for yep. the city. And yep. remember, he marched with Black Lives Matter all the way uh, down the street on the day that there was more than a million dollars worth of damage um, in downtown. Uh, that he, I think, uh, stoked a lot of that. Let's finally, let's move uh, let's, let's move away from race for a second. Let's just talk about the, I didn't know where to put this or where to talk about this, but I figured this is as good a place as any, okay? Because again, this is like misidentification, mispointing, mis... Michael Phelps, you know, the world's greatest swimmer, is now jumping into this whole entire transgender controversy because there is a swimmer, her name is Leah Thomas. She was on the men's team, by the way. She's now on the women's team for, for Penn. She competed for three years as a male, folks. Okay. And now she's jumping onto the other side. Okay. Michael Phelps was, was on, on CNN. He spoke on the issue on doping, says he doesn't believe he's competed in a fair field his entire career. And he's actually trying to reference the transgender stuff. He says, we have to level the playing field. That's something that we all need because that's what sports are for me. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what is going to happen. And all of this. 
Now, this woman, Leah, man, woman, man, woman, she's been de- demolishing the competition. She's going to win the national championships in everything that she gets involved in. Okay, All of uh, Katie Ledecky, you might remember her as the greatest woman in the United States history. Yeah, she's going to shatter all of her records. All of Leah's teammates have spoken on record about their opinion on the matter. Some anonymously. This woman, woke as she is, much like our mayor, she compares herself to Jackie Robinson. She is like the Jackie Robinson of transports, is what one of her teammates told a publication. She laughs and mocks the situation. Instead of caring or showing that she cares about what she's doing or what she's doing to her teammates, she's not sympathetic or empathetic at all. Leah never addressed our team, period. She never asked for it, if, even if it was okay. She never even asked how we felt. She never tried to explain how she feels. She never has said anything to us as a group. She never addressed a single thing. Here's how she, here's how he or she says, I believe we should all feel comfortable in our own skin. This is not a level playing field, ladies and gentlemen. This is disgusting. So I guess uh, maybe the Jethro Tull thing actually worked after all, Dowd. Uh, you never know where uh, Eddie Aragon's going to go with all that. Because again, back in uh, 19, uh, oh, excuse me, 2003, David Palmer, now known as D. Palmer, uh, had his sexual sex, uh, sex change operation on this day. And uh, he, of course, was with uh, Aqualung. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, this band, Jethro Tull. Sounds so tough in a name, but a transgender keyboard player. Back and forth to wrap the hour. Now rumor has it she ain't got your love anymore. Who doesn't love Adele? Uh, she was number one uh, on this day. She's great. Back in uh, 2012, was number one on the U.S. album chart with her second studio album, 21, right there. I think, what, she's 31, looking amazing, and it had five hit singles, including Rolling in the Deep, and now has sold nearly 30 million copies worldwide, the great Adele. Uh, I love her. I don't know how much you know about it, since this is a little bit more modern. The the older stuff, Dowd knows, but uh, not sure how familiar he is with uh with old Adele, how do you, do you know much about her? Uh, no, but I like your, you know your recommendations. Nine out of ten of your recommendations, Eddie. I, I usually warm up to pretty quickly, so I got to check out that young lady. I, all I know is she lost a lot of weight, and uh, I guess she's putting those anti-weight loss uh, activists, you know, the people who uh, accuse anyone of mentioning anyone being too heavy of fat shaming. You know, she lost right. a lot. She's going to be healthier. Uh, I guess we have this, you know, the fat acceptance movement. Uh, the anti-fat shaming movement. I think there was some, was it Shape Magazine or, or some fitness magazine that had on its cover, you know, the new look for fitness with some very fat woman on the cover. So apparently we're supposed to ignore the fact that if you put on the pounds, you actually get sicker and you're more apt to have all kinds of various problems because right. uh, I guess it's just how you identify. You can be 390 pounds, but if you identify as a thin person, you're you're doing just fine. Well, there she is. I love Adele. She's great. She's got some, is she just, a Brit? She's a Brit? Yeah, of course she's okay. a Brit. I mean, like, you know, she, she, yeah, she's great. I, I got to say, I'm uh, just a big fan of her all the way through. So, um, hey, we've got some stuff here on entertainment and and PC. We've got to talk about some more famous people. There's, of course, 
what, Alec Baldwin. We got Denzel Washington. We got all the political correctness sort of uh, jumping into, uh, you know, the conversation, do you doubt? And I got to say this, uh, Denzel Washington, his opinion on all of this, I think, is is pretty incredible uh, because he is totally, totally against uh, any discussion about uh, diversity. Uh, he says any of this stuff, any of this stuff that's espoused by modern progressive anti-racism advocates needs to be shut down. He's in the uh, latest installment of the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, Shakespeare, of course. And he says, obviously we're diverse, so I think that's a great thing. Washington uh, uh, told uh, NBC BLK, um, but he says that we need to just go ahead and get rid of diversity altogether. Even go so far as to saying diversity shouldn't even be mentioned, Dowd. We ought to be at a place in this country where we don't have to talk about our racial differences. Your thoughts on that? Uh, this is Denzel. He's the man's it's man. amazing, and, and you know, he's had he's made other statements about you know the the fatherlessness problem in our country. I mean, Denzel doesn't Denzel is very based, and he doesn't care what the New York Times editorial page. Uh, thinks about him. He's talked about his Christian faith. He's defended the police. And I love this article that we're looking at, Eddie. It's it's uh, Washington, a widely respected American figure, has made countercultural statements in the past. So in 2022, you are part of the counterculture. If you talk about fathers in the home, if you defend law enforcement, if you talk about your Christian faith, and if you are not obsessed with race, you're a counterculture figure which I think uh, tells you kind of where, where we are uh, in our country. And it's the condescension of the media and the entertainment complex. I'm just reminded of another massive actor who be, who's enjoyed immense success in our, uh, despite being black in our terribly racist society, uh, Morgan Freeman, a couple of years ago on CNN, this really condescending interviewer said to Morgan Freeman, oh, oh, you know, you're, you're a man of God, of course. And, and, you know, how does your faith, you know, what does your religion have to do with your, your life? And he said, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm, I'm basically, he kind of said he was atheistic, you know, he was not some sort of devout Christian, but in, it's that condescension, like, oh, well, this is an old black man. He grew up in the South, so he must be a Christian. Well, guess what? Morgan Freeman has his own perspective on this. Uh, Denzel Washington has his own perspective on this. Maybe you shouldn't treat an individual as if they're they have to have views based on some group identity you have for them. Right. That's kind of how we used to treat people in America. And if Denzel can get us back to that, I'm all for Denzel. You know, the idea tell Denzel Washington, a man who has won Oscars, who's made what, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars as a hugely successful actor who women of all backgrounds for decades have worshipped as this kind of handsome, commanding presence. Uh, he's been in straight-up dramas. He's, he's been an action hero. Uh, tell, tell him how racist, how inherently racist America is, right. where so many of us flock to his movies, and, well, and most of those people are not black people. And uh, he did the Civil War movies. You remember Philadelphia, where he was... Uh, you know, representing the uh, the uh, Tom Hanks, the man with AIDS. Yep. I mean, if yep. anybody has uh, done diversity and knows this stuff, it's uh, Denzel Washington. He's a great American. Uh, but he, you know what? He is a great American. I think that's great. Go look up uh, his inspirational speeches there on YouTube. I mean, you'll find that as well. By the way, uh, we're wrapping it up. It uh, gets into uh, to the top of the hour here on this Friday. Uh, Alec Baldwin sued for $25 million by family of fallen U.S. Marines. Uh, we're going to be following this, uh, not to mention all the other stuff that's going on with what happened up north in Santa Fe. He's got a $25 million lawsuit alleging defamation, invasion of privacy, negligence, and intentional infliction of emotional distress based upon the things that he has, sta has stated. 
On Instagram, earlier this month, after he gave 5000 to a widow of the fallen soldier to help her with their newborn daughter, he gets sued by the very same family. So, Alec Baldwin, you better be uh, careful. He needs to just stop things uh, altogether, Dad. I think uh, he's all but done as far as I'm you, concerned. You mix ignorance and stupidity with yep. arrogance and aggression. Nothing good comes from it. Yeah, nothing is good coming good coming. We'll go out to Adele. Hour three. We'll start for you and me and the D Dowd Muska right here in the Kiva, the Dow 3000 on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM. And when the broken hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see There will be an answer in the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour here on this wonderful Friday afternoon. I am at Eric on the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, Roku TV, Amazon Fire and Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And don't forget, uh, you can always catch us on our apps at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Download those apps, get what you need. Uh, uh, we work hard to put all this stuff uh, together for you folks, so uh, make sure that you guys utilize it. And uh, Hour 3, you and me in the Dow 3000 here. And uh, you want you to subscribe directly at rockoftalk.chat for 20 cents a day. If you subscribe, you're a free subscriber, uh, you will likely get a email or a phone call from me. And I'll say, hey, you need to go ahead and step up your game and uh, get, uh, I don't know how many emails we rifle off a week. But uh, it's a good, it's a good many. Seven, ten, plus, uh, let's see... That's uh, 15, 16 emails of absolutely everything from the Rock of Talk and then some. So uh, you are in good hands getting all caught up on all that. D. Dowd Muska, we're through you and me. How are you? Yeah, I think, Eddie, I figured out you get something like 65 content deliverables uh, a month from us when you subscribe. Because, of course, you get the show with notes, you get my original uh, content, and then you get the daily email. So it's a lot of product for not much money. Absolutely. Uh, you know... We've, we've covered a lot of ground this week. It's been a good week, you know, Monday. And if you get the subscription, you can follow all of these. We talked about, we kicked off the week with about what's endemic, okay? We also discussed the origins of COVID. And I think that was an important thing because now that is going to get understood. People are going to, you know, really start to begin to understand what is COVID or did it start? And we actually have Senator Johnson in Utah uh, right now who's going to continue to uh, try to open up. There's that uh, ridiculous DARPA research project. You've got to delve into that. That's interesting how DARPA got involved with uh, with with COVID. Uh, we also talked about the truth of vaccines, which I think was uh, really big, and its uh, impact and creation of myocarditis, particularly in men uh, between the ages of 15 and 40. And then, of course, the COVID politics uh, discussed how certain states, Youngkin pushing back, no bans, no mandates, no anything on anything, despite 
Highlands University and the state of New Mexico and the University of New Mexico doing all the things that uh, they can. Uh, shots at the city of Albuquerque, of course, being put on hold for Albuquerque workers, city of Albuquerque workers. We found out uh, this week on Monday that we're closed for anything and everything. Restaurants don't have enough workers shutting down. Veteran services shutting down. Valencia High School shutting down, right? They all have to do it, and nobody really expressing any real confidence. That's what we talk about the biggest jump in housing prices uh, for the week. Uh, that'll all be behind us uh, now, hopefully, with the biggest year-over-year. Year. Rental prices up 20% year-over-year. And Corrales Homes, well, you can't find anything under $600,000. That's the average. The economy uh, is growing. Not really. Uh, you have inflationary pressures. So we talked about the uh, economy growing and uh, also how states like Arizona and um, Mississippi, uh, because of the inflation, because it's just good policy, are removing income taxes uh, altogether, uh, particularly Mississippi. Uh, of course, we got into all the discussions this week with Murder Mike and how 911 truly is a joke and continues to be. Legislative proposals on the eve of kicking everything off on Tuesday. And then we gave a full-fledged renewal or uh, a review on Randy Andy and what he's up against. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has kicked him out of the castle. Oh, you're gone forever. And happy about it uh, because this man has uh, created $3 million. He's selling his Swiss chalet and uh, then some uh, Dowd in order to try and just uh, meet the bare minimum uh, to uh, meet his legal fees. Then on Tuesday, we covered, and all this is available directly at www.rockoftalk.chat. Uh, we reviewed uh, Biden's disastrous first year, including uh, CBS News polls and other polls that were coming out, saying that half of Americans are frustrated with Biden. And here's the way that they feel about it. 50% frustrated, 50% disappointed, 40% nervous. So we, we still want to know who the 11% out there who are excited about all this. And uh, uh, I don't know who you are with Joe Biden, but uh, you've got problems. Uh, mandates or death. We saw what happened in Amsterdam this week and uh, what they continue to do. Polls showing uh, now that Democrat voters want measures against the unvaccinated, right? Uh, I think that's uh, a scary thing, 48%. 48% of Democrats believe that government should fine and even imprison anyone who questions the COVID-19 vaccine's efficacy. Yeah, you're crazy if you're a Democrat at this point. And in fact, uh, this was the staggering number for me. I couldn't believe it. I think it was like 45% uh, of Democrats who call for government to round up citizens who are not vaccinated against COVID-19. Round up? Really? If you're one out of two Democrats, believe that. Also, a major U.S. Uh, newspapers, uh, including the Salt Lake uh, City, what was it, B, Tribune, whatever it was. Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, insisted on deploying National Guard to keep the unvaxxed at home. Then we got into boosters this week, all in our Tuesday edition, including Hawaii requiring vaccinations now, so I won't be going there. And then the fourth vaccine shot being uh, administered, uh, but it's completely and totally ineffective, Dowd, against uh, the Omicron uh, variant. Uh, but we see what's happening at... Sandia National Labs, uh, healthcare workers, and uh, Los Alamos National Labs as well. We gave you an update on Trump, including Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis. For all you guys who got after me, I'm laughing at you. You are very funny. And then we saw the flight of Democrats leaving uh, to going towards the GOP. We also covered uh, PC culture info wars, including Rand Paul, Steve Harvey, and the West Virginia treasurer uh, who was on Glenn Beck, I believe, on Thursday. Uh, going against BlackRock because of all their woke capitalism and their ties uh, to China, which I think is pretty important. Then Hump Day uh, here on this Wednesday of the Rock of Talk this week, we had the Kill the White People segment, which was absolutely awesome. Uh, 
Trump made a crazy claim last uh, weekend when he was out in Arizona stating that people are being discriminated against in the allotment of COVID-19 treatments. Turns out it's true. True in Utah, true in Minnesota, true in New York. Now uh, Utah and Minnesota getting sued, but New York is stepping on the gas and say that they'll continue to dole out treatment based upon your ethnicity, and they're not going to be giving it to white people. Then we got uh, some uh, post-COVID news, including Peter McCullough, who's uh, uh, absolutely changing the narrative by himself, despite being disbarred, disbanded, and disemboweled by every medical organization that's out there, talking about how the narrative has crumbled. And we've been absolutely right. We have told you here in the Kiva that their narrative has crumbled. And uh, no doubt Joe Biden's going to come out and take credit for the fact that he's the one that beat COVID. Uh, remember, it's a 2022 year, and that's the way he's going to look at it. But remember, there is a COVID cult that is out there, and it doesn't include one Novak Djokovic, who was kicked out of Australia, returned home for a ticker tape parade uh, in uh, his uh, country of Serbia. The world's number one failed to get to his 21st major, uh, not because he was beat on the court. He was beat off the court and in court in Australia. Then we had CRT and other educational pursuits, including Rebecca Dow's HB91 uh, banning critical race theory. Good on Rebecca. I'm proud of you for what you're doing. And California public schools removing the Aztec prayers, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, who even knows what an Aztec prayer is? Well, apparently in California they were doing it. We covered the Dallas synagogue uh, uh, shootings and how the ADL, that there's two sides of of the good and bad side of the Jewish equation, uh, equation ADL being the bad side, and going out and saying and stoking the fears of Islamophobia. On the good side, the Jewish leaders calling out, why is the FBI saying that this isn't a hate crime? Uh, we, of course, got into an update. Thank you, Dowd, very much for the uh, tales of a Richard Branson and the Virgin Galactic and Virgin Orbit. Guess which one New Mexico got? Yeah, we got the, uh, we always get the sad sacks. The speaker. Uh, yeah, we always, we always do. And then uh, Thursday, a really great show, including uh, covering uh the Ding Dong Dabs, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, including that funny little skit there with uh, uh, Tyrone Biggums on Joe Rogan's show. You might remember him from Dave Chappelle. I like smoking crack. Uh, crack. And then Limousine Liberals. So we also uh, had a new uh, thing come out on Epstein, uh, just talking about how close Clinton, Epstein, and Andrew were. They were all like brothers. And then all the Joan Doe's getting released, and uh, who knows who's going to come out. Maybe one Bill Richardson. Uh, all the things that got canceled in New Mexico, including the basketball stuff, vaccine, uh, an update on the baby in the dumpster story, a little bit of a smile on her face after we find that the community not only rallies uh, behind them, but uh, there hopefully will be a happy ending somewhere. Someone's going to want that child more than anything. It's uh, uh, the uh, story of 2022 that's uh, literally uh, broke the heart of New Mexico. And then we covered uh, a little bit of geological stuff, some crazy stuff, a full moon week with uh, Wolf Moon. Uh, first full moon of 2022 came and went on uh, Monday, but then we had an asteroid uh, pass very close, 125 million miles, and then uh, we've got at the very same time this uh, huge volcanic eruption, the biggest one underwater, of course, but in 40 years in Tonga, covering the entire island in uh, ashes. And then, of course, uh, we went across all the legislative session on Thursday afternoon and Today, it's been a great show all around. Bozo Biden, Omicron, schools, the economy, New Mexico pay bump, problems with political culture, entertainment, uh, Alec Baldwin, Denzel Washington, and a lot more. And here we are arriving at hour three, and uh, we're going to touch upon some things that we may have skipped over a little bit earlier in the week, including the top five for the week, uh, or excuse me, for the, uh, for the last 24 hours. Don't forget to subscribe directly at www.rockoftalk.chat. Dowd, I'll let you uh, take it away. You, t you get your check your potpourri uh, there 
of uh, our final stories here, and uh, we'll go back and forth. And you're welcome to text in as well. I'll get to your text a little bit uh, later on this hour. But uh, take it away there, Dowd. Yeah, on our on our to-do list this week that we haven't gotten to is a really interesting piece that blew my mind in the American Conservative magazine started by Patrick Buchanan, the uh, famous paleocon, who I think a lot of people say was sort of the John the Baptist to, uh, to, to, to Donald Trump. Pat was talking about the issues that Donald Trump ended up talking about as a president, as a candidate. Pat was doing that back in the early 1990s. This article really lays out, and uh, Eddie, I, I don't know, maybe you knew this. I did not know this. I, I knew that Warren Buffett was a bad guy, and I knew that he uh, embraced, uh, you know, his cheek by jowl with Bill Gates and uh, a lot of left-wing activism, you know, tax hikes and, and that kind of stuff. Who knew that the uh, Wizard of Omaha, as they call him, this great investor who, if I remember correctly, was born into a very, very wealthy family. So it's not like, you know, he started out in the projects exactly. Um, he's a big funder of pro-abortion uh, institutions, all sorts of organizations. Uh, according to this article in, in Pat's magazine, uh, Warren Buffett is almost certainly the largest funder of abortion in human history. Just in the last 20 years, uh, since 2000, he has funneled an incredible 4.7 billion with a B to abortion providers, as well as a vast array of activist lobbying and research groups, uh, insulating them in Washington, D.C. That's enough to pay for close to 4 million 20-week uh, abortions, according to estimates from the Guttmacher Institute. That's the leading pro-abortion think tank. Now, where did all of this madness come from? Well, uh, as those of us uh, <clears throat> who are MGTOW for life, men going their own way, uh, a lot of us doesn't, wouldn't surprise us. It's the wife. Uh, it is moved through the Susan Thompson Buffett Foundation, a little-known channel to left-wing causes uh, funded almost exclusively by Warren and named for his late ex-wife. She was a big advocate of population control, and there was $2.5 billion left to her foundation upon her death. Um, Buffett's biographer said that the billionaire had a Malthusian dread. Of course, Mr. Malthus, a couple centuries ago, he was sounding the alarm about out-of-control population and warning about all the disasters to come. Disasters we're still waiting for, of course. It never happened the way uh, Paul Ehrlich and Malthus and all these other hysterical people have been saying for, for well, decades if not centuries uh so but the buffets were worried about global uh, global overpopulation among the world's poor and of course abortion was seen as the answer the wife in 97 so this is several years before she she passed away said that funding population control is quote uh what my father has always believed was the biggest and most important issue i guess that's the daughter uh so that will be the foundation's focus i feel as his child that it's important to carry out his wishes it's his money Oh, interesting. So the foundation sent $58 million to the National Abortion Federation's hotline fund to help pay for abortion. They've also given money to Planned Parenthood. They've given at least $525 million to the Marie Stopes International. That's an overseas abortion funder in Africa and Asia. Uh, she uh, it was named for a British eugenicist and a white supremacist ally of Margaret Sanger, another woman who didn't like uh, little brown right. people to be born around right. the world. Uh, this Ms. Stopes once said, sent a book of her poems uh, to a gentleman in 1939 uh, out of admiration for this gentleman's forced sterilization policies. That individual was, of course, 
Der Führer. Uh, the Buffett uh, money has also gone to Save the Children, wonderful named organization, but it also provides so-called family planning. Uh, $418 million to IPAS. Uh, it trains local abortion providers. Uh, the Hopewell Fund, Pathfinder International, DKT International. This, folks, is a dynamite uh, expose of the billions of dollars that have flowed through the Buffett family to fund abortion. He really is one of the worst people in the world, Warren Buffett. Wow, that's something. And uh, practically best friends with Bill Gates. Yeah. What are they help. up to? <laughs> what are they up to? There you go. Uh, speaking of uh, terrible people, Nancy Pelosi, and this has a local connection, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi, that's right, tied to five companies, all investigated by the feds, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Uh, that's where Nancy Pelosi is. So you have uh, Warren Buffett, Nancy Pelosi. Now, he's linked to a criminal-run company, in fact, five of them, one of them right here and directly connected to uh, former governor and Democrat uh, Tony Anaya, who lost his uh, wife a little bit earlier on, uh, late, late last year, by the way. He's never been charged with crimes, according to a new report from the Daily Mail, but they suggest he has ties or worked for at least five companies that were investigated by federal prosecutors for various fraud and scamming schemes. A uh, six-figure position at InfoUSA, that's a data mining group. Two years later, after uh, he left Info, he was uh, assumed the presidency of a company called Natural Blue Resources, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Right here, Joe Carazzi and Jim Cohen, also both involved in that. They recruited him so they could personally profit from a company without disclosing their past brushes with the law to investors. And then, uh, remember, there's the connection to New Mexico and Hunter Biden. Uh, Pelosi became vice president of a biofuel company called Fog Fuels in 2013, one month after the SEC filed charges against uh, Fog Fuels and Paul Marshall uh, on that. So, uh, 2014, he was the independent director for Targeted Medical Pharma. And left the company seven months after uh, being there, uh, after the company was accused of conducting unauthorized trials by the Food and Drug Administration, getting inside information from mommy. Uh, he also became a business development executive of Transparency Nonprofit called Corporate Governments, uh, Governance Initiative. He also was the executive director of that in 2014. During his time there, he grew close with alleged fraudster Asa St. Clair, who reportedly ran a cryptocurrency scam through his United Nations affiliated charity. Yeah, good guy. St. Clair previously had publicly endorsed each other's efforts along with Pelosi Jr. Even called Paul a longtime associate, both business and personal. And finally, he joined a lithium mining company, Oro Plata Resources, one month after the company was accused of issuing fraudulent shares. He received 2.8 million of those shares. So there you go. He's been at least, this is uh, this is the way things are run in the state of New Mexico. All you have to do is look at Richard Branson or, hey, look at Paul Pelosi. Participated in at least eight IPOs. Okay. Well, I'm glad, Eddie, that, that we, we've seen some national attention uh, from this because here at the Rock of Talk back in October of 2020, well over a year ago, we detailed that story of Paul Pelosi and Tony and I, uh, the little kind of trouble they got into, uh, and you, you mentioned it. This was a scheme by these two New Yorkers, James Cohen and Joseph Carazzi. They brought in Tony and Aya and Paul Pelosi because of their connections, their names, into kind of a, a, a well, a, a fake company, Natural Blue, supposed to be a green energy company. Anaya got 18% of the shares. Pelosi got 16%. Of the shares. Meanwhile, the guys who started it, Cohen and Karazi, are paying themselves consulting fees. Okay, Anaya, who's supposed to be in charge of this, the CEO, uh, the court records show that he deferred to them on most stuff. 
Uh, the SEC, the federal government, comes in and uh, they really go after these two gentlemen. And then they even slap a – Pelosi got off pretty scot-free. Anaya was banned from participating in the offering of any penny stocks, and uh, he did not do any jail time. But I think th- these these stories really indicate – when you hear that line, public service, you know, I, I went into public service. I could make so much more in the private sector. You know, I, I gave up so much. I just want to serve the people. There are so many opportunities for legal graft and sometimes illegal graft, if it's ever caught, uh, for you, for your relatives. As a libertarian, as someone who studied government for 30 years, it, it just rings so hollow when you hear these people on the left. And even some Republicans talk about my time in public service. These people are lining their pockets all the time. They leverage their names to get opportunities on boards, yep. to get stock information, to be part of IPOs. And folks, treat that virtue signaling and that puffery about themselves. Take it with a grain of salt because a heck of a lot of these people are doing very, very well by portraying themselves as public service. Yeah, no doubt. And Paul Pelosi with that last name, uh, his last name gets him into a lot of doors and gets him into a lot of deals as we uh, just discussed. Eight IPOs. Eight IPOs. Uh, but but even this. look at a guy like Tony and I. I hadn't been a governor in in decades, governor of at one time governor of a small state, mm-hmm. that still gets interest from people who want to leverage your Rolodex and your name for money. That's how big our big government is. It is. It's quite big, and they continue to stay entrenched and in power. Uh, D. Dowd must go long after they are gone. Remember, all the ranches are right next to each other. You had uh, Tom Ford, you have uh, Tony Anaya, you have uh, Bruce King, and all right around. You got it. Epstein Ranch, Zorro Ranch, and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. 550-5500. More stuff coming in. Uh, Kim Gulfoil. Gulfoil, right? Uh, one of the uh, the hotties there on the five. And then she started dating Don Jr. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that's uh, where that. So Don Jr. was subpoenaed. Ivanka was subpoenaed. This has been a bad week for the Trumps because the attorney general is saying, don't F with me. We're coming after Junior, Ivanka. We're coming after Donald Trump. And this, just as soon as they're starting everything up uh, with their quote-unquote campaign for president, I guess. I don't know what's going on, to, to be quite honest. But you know where I'm at on all this. So Eric Trump, Kimberly Guilfoyle's phone have been subpoena obtained by the January 6th committee, which got new teeth yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Because it is going to be the judge, jury, and executioner. They've got uh, some weird level of additional powers. I don't know if you caught that or not, uh, Dowd, but uh, mm. it doesn't look for good for Trump going forward. They're going to they're going to battle him uh, however they can. Your thoughts first uh, on that, Dowd. What do you think about uh, the attorney general getting those additional powers in, in New York State as well as the January 6th committee? Not a good way to start into campaign 2024 for Trump if indeed that's what this is. No, and you know we're going to be fighting over January sixth for the rest of our lives. You know, I mean, I, I I wish we could come to some reasonable conclusion about what did and did ha- did not happen that day. Um, you know, to me, it's it's just a, a bunch of QAnon people, maybe well intentioned. Did you know did some stupid things? The vast majority of people who were in Washington that day didn't even go up and inside the Capitol. Uh, a lot of people actually entered the Capitol, just walked in. The doors were open. Our friend Sean up there and. The Four Corners area was just videotaping things as he was walking around. Never smashed a window, never punched a cop, nothing, you know, did nothing, and, they, and they've gone after him. Uh, the sedition charges, of course, they had to kick up uh, because they've been they're, they're, they've been so exposed. There have been legal experts writing about how you can't call this 
insurrection and sedition when all the people who were there are being charged with sort of various petty crimes, you know, vandalism and being on property they shouldn't have been in. So now, of course, the feds had to come forward and, and charge, make these sedition charges. We're going to be fighting about this for the rest of our lives. I, I, you know, to me, at the end of the day, it's just the optics of a couple of knucklehead chuckleheads who were doing things they shouldn't have done. And it, and it is going to attach this stink to those of us who are fighting the swamp forever. Because anytime you question anything that happens that's done by the, our great glorious gods in Washington, they can attach this seditionist, violent uh, January 6th label yep. to you, which of course is specious beyond belief. Um, it, it saddens me. Things got out of hand that day, but the idea that this was ever any kind of attempt to take over the government, uh, pretty pretty pathetic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you can't, as I always said, if you can't tell me who your county commissioner is, uh, you weren't in Washington trying to take over the government. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, very, very quickly, this is all about the Stop the Steal rally January 6th. Uh, some of the texts and some of the things that were stated on that day, the former president's son, Eric, said, I've got a question for you. Is there any person that actually thinks that Joe Biden won the election? I don't either, guys. I don't either. So they're going to say that that was stoking things. Uh, Gilfoyle uh, was with Don Jr. on all this. And uh, oh, I guess some things were said there saying that they are just reflecting the will of the people. This is the will of the people is uh, what apparently was uh, told. God-loving, freedom-loving, liberty-loving patriots. And also, we will not allow liberals and the Democrats to steal our dream or steal our elections, uh, she said to rally goers, whipping them into a frenzy. And then Mark Meadows, he also had a number of things uh, from Donald Trump Jr. that were said uh, that his father needed to denounce the violence. Um, the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, uh, um, all of these stuff, all of these were revealed, and I guess, in the, or going to be revealed in the subpoena. He's got to contemn this. You know, S-word, ASAP, the Capitol Police tweet is not enough. I'm pushing it hard. I agree, Meadows responded, to which Junior texted back, we need Oval Office address. He has to lead now. He's gone too far and gotten out of hand uh, at this point. Look at all the people fighting for me is what was said uh, on TV. So there you go. This is, uh, I think you're right, Dowd. This is going to continue, and it's not going to go any. And this is part of the thing that one of the other reasons why you know, uh, Trump doesn't need to run because there's no way he's going to look good coming out of this. The media has drowned this in so many mistruths and, you know, try to stoke this as far as being this uh, very violent thing. The only people that were ever killed uh, was a Trump supporter on a woman that was shot uh, practically point blank range inside the U.S. Capitol. So very disturbing video if anybody. Well, and I also think, we look, we need to really compare the reportedly statements from the actual emails. I mean, I know truth doesn't matter in America anymore, but this article alone, Eddie, where you have Guilfoyle reportedly told the president, oh, they're, they're reflecting the will of the people. We've got to support them. Uh, uh, Trump reportedly was gleefully watching the violence on television. Well, a lot has been reported about Donald Trump in the last five or six years that turned out to be completely false. Uh, it'll be interesting to side by side compare what has what was reportedly said versus what actually existed in texts and email messages. I think that's going to be an important distinction for the few members of our country who still want to believe and pursue truth. Right, exactly. Uh, they, they want to keep things uh, absolutely fair. And uh, it was very unfair the way the coverage went that day. And, um, you know, there's people who made it there and they've been criminalized for the rest of their life just because they got a, on a plane and they were in Washington, D.C. Uh, yep. Final couple of things. I wanted to talk about this uh, because it was Martin Luther King Jr. week and uh, really Martin Luther King Day on Monday, uh, one of the greatest uh, of all time. But uh, 
the way that Black Lives Matter uh, does it today is not the nonviolent way that MLK did it. Uh, those two could not be uh, further apart. A woman who shares my birthday, civil rights icon Barbara Jordan, uh, died weeks before Congress, and then Pl Clinton were set to advance her reforms on illegal and legal immigration, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I remember that. Remember the NAFTA thing? Like, this is all happening at that very same time. She's a Democrat. She was a fixture of the civil rights movement, folks. Was the first black American state senator in the nation and the first black American woman elected to the Texas state Senate. In 72, she became the first black American woman to preside over the legislative body in the U.S. when she was elected president pro tem of the Texas state Senate. Here's what you need to know. She said we needed to cut legal immigration levels in half a year, ending the process known as chain migration. Remember when we used to say that all the time? Where naturalized citizens can sponsor an unlimited number of foreign relatives, ending the diversity visa lottery that randomly gives out 55,000 visas a year, mandating E-Verify, which we did nationwide to screen out illegal aliens from the hiring process, ending low-skill immigration, and massively curbing illegal immigration, which increased border enforcement and swift deportation. Well, if she was right on all those issues, aren't we just playing politics now? Isn't it just convenient for the politics to demonize the right side? This is a woman that's on the left side. This is what the Democrat Party for a very long time has always believed. They are very anti-immigrant. They always have been, okay? And you want to talk about Cesar Chavez and all that? I'd love to get into a discussion with you about the fact that, we, where did, do you know where the word wetback comes from? From Cesar Chavez. Yeah. Look it up. That's where it came from. He was the first one to actually use that term. And he was not for that uh, as well. He was for the United Farm Workers, for the people that were already there. But uh, he didn't, what, it, what the massive illegal immigration would create an exacerbated problem that they wouldn't be able to manage because there wasn't enough work to do. So think about that. Uh, the Dems on the left are very confused about immigration. They continue to use it one of their platform policies. Uh, but doubt going forward, they would be uh, good to uh, sort of reflect on the legacy of Barbara Jordan, as uh, Breitbart has illustrated. Well, I think it's an interesting piece, and you know, I'm not, I wouldn't perfectly aligned with her on immigration, but I completely agree with the statement that immigration is not a right guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution. I really think the liberal elites in this in this country, but really globally, that's why they call people migrants now. They never mm. talk about uh, people who have legally, you know, illegally crossed borders and and don't have the proper paperwork. They really treat this as some sort of automatic thing. If you want to live in another country, you get to go live there. Uh, I don't see that. Uh, I don't recognize that at all. I don't think you just, I don't think that you just can get up and decide to live in another country. I don't, I certainly don't have a right. I just certainly don't have an obligation, a moral obligation, and hopefully not a legal obligation to pay for all of these migrants who want to come to the United States. If you want to come and work, that's a different situation. But the larger issue here is the Democratic Party of of FDR, the, the Democratic Party that my grandparents' generation and even some people in my parents' generation grew up with, uh, it was much more geared toward middle class, lower middle class, young, uh, you know, young up and coming uh, people wanted to work, uh, getting, expanding their opportunities, uh, lobbying to, you know, control the workplace and help unions and that kind of thing. Right or wrong, you can disagree with that. Now, it really seems like liberal elites, the, the core of their politics is in, in a, a big part of their voting base is very, very affluent. Uh, you could be, it could be Hollywood, it could be Wall Street, uh, it could be very affluent professionals in those upper, well above middle class, upper middle class suburbs. And those are the people who are active in the party, who donate to the party, who vote for the party's candidates. The Democratic Party has changed a lot. Uh, and I think uh, to the extent that we can point out how different it is, 
Barbara Jordan was as big a figure as you'd get yep. in her era in the Democratic Party, and she was no friend of illegal immigrants and was not a big fan of you know massive swarms of people coming into the country. It really shows how that Democratic Party has really changed. They represent a different ideology and a different group of people now. Absolutely, Dowd. And uh, I just think that, and I know where you're at on immigration, uh, I know that uh, you're kind of slightly an open borders uh, guy insofar as it's a good thing to do uh, economically and there's an opportunity uh, for them. Uh, you don't believe that there should be the walls and restrictions and I, and I get that. But we have not done a good job just in this last year alone since Biden's been president bringing in more than 2 million. The last year, the last year alone for Donald Trump was less than 600,000, an all-time low uh, from a proportional standpoint. And you know, that's what he did. He really did secure those borders, and uh, we were nearly at uh, completely full employment uh, here in this country. Wrap it up here in the last 10 minutes uh, with natural immunity. And uh, I think it's always a reminder, your water cooler, coffee table, household discussions of all this. Don't forget to subscribe directly uh, and get educated, get smart, get information that you can get only from the Rock of Talk every day from uh, four, every weekday from 4 to 7 uh, PM. Uh, let's talk about the psychological cruelty of denying natural immunity. This was an article that was sent to me by uh, RJ. We'll just put it that way. Uh, he sent it to me and I was like, there is this issue when we're taking something from outside of us to solve something that's within us that does actually impact our ability to feel confident about fighting off this disease. Nothing or any disease for that matter. Nothing is better than your own natural immunity. Okay. You have to understand that we are, we have proven that point now because now we are endemic, right? How do you avoid the flu? How do you avoid the, 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 uh, the cold or any of this kind of stuff? You take care of yourself, personal responsibility, avoidance, uh, proper nutrition, making sure you're taking your vitamins. All of these types of things are just absolutely essential. Okay. So imagine what your kids are going through when they're running around with masks all the time and imagine what's happening to adults as well. You know, they're thinking that they're constantly going to get sick and that's nothing that they control. For somebody with some psychological control issues, this impacts these people very deeply. Not, not you, maybe not Dowd, um, but a lot of people that we know are unfortunately having to deal with, you know, the mental suffering and anguish that goes on that I'm going to get infected and something's going to happen uh, directly to me. So <clears throat> from the depths of the suffering, people naturally look for a source of hope. When is recovery? When can I expect once that happens? Where is the meaning and behind the overall ordeal? Well, for a condensed respiratory virus like COVID, uh, or unlike COVID, I should say, and for many other pathogens, generations have known that there's a silver lining to the suffering. Your immune system has gone through it. You've gone through training to power through it. It's uh, bringing in new information uh, or encoding new information into your, uh, even your DNA to propagate that to make sure your children, your children's children are protected from that. And your body is using that to be healthier in the future. And it's going to be fighting off similar pathogens going forward. So from the suffering, it provides you a source of hope that your body can battle back. So you look forward to being healthier, happier. You've moved past it. You're done. You've got the antibodies. You've got everything that you need, right? Well, <clears throat> here's where it kind of, kind of goes into a different direction. Because getting out and being stewed in the soot and the disease and the dirty, everything from boogers to dropping food on the floor, right? Those, those things actually made you better. They absolutely did. But now we've got to this point where we don't think about the things that would generally have made us better, which is you being exposed to it and getting through it. Now we have to prevent any 
thing from happening to us at any time. COVID has been treated as a pathogen devoid at all costs, folks. Personal, social, in fact, political now. No price was too high to pay to purchase the avoidance of it, right? Stay home from school, stay home from work, lose your job, etc. Worst possible fate was to confront the virus. We must not live life normally. I have, Dowd has, we have. Dowd's had the best year of his life, apparently, in the last year. <laughs> Close to it. But according to this, we must organize everything around. Slogan, slow the spread. We are together. Flatten the curve. Socially distance. Mask up. And regard everyone and everything as a carrier. That's where we are currently. Your poor kids are living through quite possibly the worst time in United States history. Because at least before, nobody was ever afraid of each other. No one was judging each other. And nobody had most of all bad information. We have good information here because we have the data now, which is even better than the science. We've been listening to the uh, bishops, uh, if you will, of healthcare. Like Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, Dr. Burks, etc. She's the head of the CDC. She said that 75% of vaccinated adults who died from COVID-19 died. Okay, Had at least four comorbidities, sparking an outpouring of commentary from people surprised by her statement. Says, I told you so. We told her so. If you're fat and sick or old, COVID might impact you. Might. The survivability even for those people is pretty high doesn't matter if it's on Good Morning America. It doesn't matter if it's on CBS, ABC, wherever it's at. You've been getting this information. This is the first time we've actually seen who's dying from it from the CDC. This was a study being used from U.S. healthcare facilities that looked at 1.2 million adults who completed primary vaccination between 2020 and 2021. Among the tiny percentage of those who died, 78% suffered from at least four, four comorbidities, folks. COVID kills people with comorbidities. It doesn't kill people that don't have anything going on, generally speaking. Why all this craziness? What's the reason? If it's essentially just like the flu. There's been 839,000 deaths in the United States. And it's been completely at the pleasure, at the service of the doctors to determine how that person died. And if they died with COVID or they died of COVID, it doesn't matter to them because all they put on the death certificate is COVID. 550-5500. Dow, the top five for the last 24 hours. What you got? Uh, you know, Lady, I'm going to call an audible on this uh, sure. Friday, and I'm going to say uh, I, a piece we haven't talked about this week that went up earlier in the week, and I'm going to encourage people to check it out at rockoftalkdat.chat. Uh, folks, I am not a smoker. I don't believe Mr. Aragon is a smoker. I've never no. seen any smoke. Uh, I don't encourage people to smoke, although I, your, your, your body, your choice. Um, they are going to try once again in this legislative session to raise the tax on cigarettes. Uh, they're going to try to double the tax on cigarettes. If they are successful, they will be putting our cigarette tax in New Mexico in the vicinity, the neighborhood, in the ballpark of Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York. I mean, sky high, one, two, three, that area. Uh, the piece uh, available, rockettalk.chat, uh, the original gangsters of public health. I think it's very, very uh, clever on my part. That's the headline if you want to read it. Uh, it sort of walks you through the insanity of that, the fact that you're going to be encouraging people to do more smuggling. We also, uh, on, on cigarette smuggling, so that they don't pay the 
don't have to pay the tax. We are already one of the highest states in terms of percentage of our cigarettes that are purchased on the black market. And uh, they also, of course, want to raise the tax on vaping. We know, and, and actually several developed countries have embraced vaping as a harm reduction strategy to help get people off cigarettes over to vaping. And in fact, there's one study that showed you're twice as likely to quit uh, if you go over to va vaping, then you are, uh, if you stay with cigarettes. So they are crazy nanny state anti-tobacco people. Anything that's, that, that is tobacco or even looks like tobacco or is associated with tobacco, uh, they want to tax, they want to regulate. Uh, it has been a disastrous policy. We have proof here in New Mexico. I'm, I'm not paid by big tobacco. I don't smoke, but it is madness, the, this idea that we're going to double the per pack tax on cigarettes in New Mexico. We're going to get more of the problems that we want to solve in New Mexico. But when you're, you know, a leftist up in the roundhouse, it doesn't really matter. It's just all about saying you care about children and you care about public health and what the consequences are of your policies. Well, who cares? That's for somebody else to figure out. So uh, check it out. Uh, Rockoftalk.chat. I don't smoke. Eddie doesn't smoke, but we look at the data, we look at the policy implications of this, and doubling the tax on smoking in our state is really, really stupid. It certainly is. Dow, thanks for a great week, uh, for all the great stuff that we uh, did this week. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in, as always, right here in the Kiva, going out to uh, little Pink Floyd time, because that's exactly what you got. Uh, back in 72, they appeared at the Guildhall in Portsmouth, England. It was one of the first time that they were able to perform the whole of what became one of my favorite albums of all time and that is the, of course the dark side of the moon this of course uh, is time uh on that it's time for us to kind of say so long until monday afternoon 4 p.m by the way the dark side of the moon in its entirety one of the best listens of all time uh this was the first time they were able to actually perform it on january 21st 1972 as the previous night's performance in brighton was halted for technical reasons yeah the alan's parson alan parson is actually the one who did all the engineering on all this stuff. So uh, very, very cool if you know a little something about uh, music there. All right, see you at 4 p.m. bright and early on Monday afternoon. <laughs>